Hi, this is Steve. Anyone lucky enough to have great success in Hollywood discovers, often to their dismay, just how resistant to change this industry can be. Make a hit comedy? They want you to make more comedies. Play a great bad guy? You might be playing bad guys for the rest of your life. Jonathan Demme, however, refused to be categorized. After a film as successful and influential as The Silence of the Lambs, there must have been tremendous pressure on him to do another. But he didn't. Instead, Demi continued to make documentaries, music videos, concert films, and performance pieces following, as he always had, his personal interests and artistic tastes. Still, when we lost Demi last week to cancer, John and I knew that the film we had to talk about was his 1991 thriller, The Silence of the Lambs. One of only three films in history to sweep the major categories at the Oscars, Silence of the Lambs is a fascinating, terrifying, emotional, and haunting film whose technical mastery only serves to support the tremendous performances from Jodie Foster and, of course, Anthony Hopkins as one of the most terrifying and compelling villains in screen history. So, that's Silence of the Lambs in honor of the great Jonathan Demme this Friday on The Cinephiles. Starling. Wow, Clarice. Have the lambs stopped screaming? Doctor Lecter. Don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough. Where are you, Dr. Lecter? I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy. You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, we explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris, I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello everyone, my name is John Roca, I'm a voiceover artist, host of shows here in Los Angeles, California, and occasionally an actor. Um, and I'm super excited for us to talk about this film. I wish the circumstances were better, but I'm excited to welcome one of our dearest friends. Yes. The man who hugs like nobody else. Uh, he's <laughs> an incredible writer. He wrote on Without a Trace, uh, right? Is that right? On yes. Without a Trace? Yep. And uh, you do numer- you've written on numerous animation shows now, and uh, you're considered a genius, a rocket scientist. Is that correct on that? Am I correct on that? Um, Certified, I, uh, mm. certified rocket scientist. Yeah, he's in, but like last night, we got a, a a text from this gentleman, and he was like, "Hey, I saw you guys were going to talk about this film. It is my favorite film. Can I come on the show?" Steve and I couldn't say no, and so please welcome to the Cinephiles the amazing, talented, incredibly intelligent Dave Rapp. Thank you very much. Wow, I was worried I wasn't going to get the same sort of intro that you gave to Yuri, but that was that was almost up there. Listen. Because I just I, I like the people that come on the show. I, I love I love the people that come this on the show. This is why I pass the task of inter- introducing to you because I think you do it so much better than I do it. Well, I've just been doing it for so long yeah. for the last couple of years. Very so impressive. it's fun to do it. But yeah, Dave, thank, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. I, am, uh, I I reached out to you. I'm so excited to be here, and this yeah. is literally my favorite movie. And so. if people could see, you yeah. have like pages and pages of notes. So <laughs> I'm we'll see, we'll so see ready. how this is going to go. I'm so ready. <laughs> and so we should say what the movie is. Yes. And the very sad re- reason that we're doing it because of course the great filmmaker Jonathan Demme passed away last week yeah. and 
Uh, he has just a fascinating body of work because he's literally all over the map, documentaries, concert films, music videos, and several great features. But without question, his most famous and I think most important film is The Silence of the Lambs, 1991, starring Jodie Foster and whew, Anthony Hopkins. A great Sir Anthony Hopkins, yeah. yeah. Um, and written by Thomas Harris, based on the novel right, by Thomas right. Harris. Yeah. Is, yeah. And, and we should say, you know, it's funny. I, I always go to do some research when we talk about a new director mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I can tell you a little bit about their life story. And I'm going to say this. I mean this in the nicest way possible. Yeah. There's, he's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and what I mean by that is that with most directors, there are these big stories of their rises and falls and maybe their excesses. You know, yeah. you look at someone like Coppola or Kubrick or their madnesses. And Jonathan Demme seems like a fairly responsible guy yeah. who just goes along making doing his work. And okay. so there's not these big stories about him. Sometimes there's, there's guys like that. and that's yeah. what, or, or directors like that, male yeah. or female. That's just how it goes. Um, but, uh, but just a little bit about him. He, he uh, started with Roger Corman, mm -hmm. uh, like a lot of directors do. Roger Corman is the great sort of low-budget action horror producer. Um, that people like Coppola and Scorsese and all right. sorts of directors Ron Howard started with. Uh, did several movies for him. Uh, did some TV work on shows like Columbo. Went on to do um, uh, Swing Shift and Melvin and Howard. I remember Swing Shift. Yeah, right? Golden yeah. Hall and Kurt Russell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think I saw like Melvin and Howard on a like a family vacation on a cruise ship. Is that Art Carney <laughs> with the cat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think, yeah. and I remember, and I think I, that was the only time I saw it, and I remember really liking it, and yeah. that was it. And uh, the first thing I actually remember really knowing who Jonathan Demme was was for the concert film Stop Making Sense. Oh yeah, yeah the Dick Talking we... Heads. Yeah, it. it was a really groundbreaking concert film. Then he did uh, Something Wild. He did uh, this amazing one-man show, Swimming to Cambodia, uh, with Spalding Gray. Right. Which, right. this is like the archetypal one-man show film, yeah, which yeah. I don't know that's a big category. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Spalding, it's a great one-person show. And then, uh, then he did Married to the Mob. And then Silence of the Lambs, Philadelphia. And then he went off and continued to do documentaries, did a documentary on Jimmy Carter, yeah. did all sorts of concert films, did music videos and continued to, and finally did the most recent one that was really well known as Rachel Getting Married, mm -hmm. uh, which I didn't see. And Hathaway. Yeah. 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 Which was good. Yeah. yeah, I heard it was really good. Um, so it's sort of an interesting meandering career. Yeah. But the film we're talking about today is Silence of the Lambs. And I want to say, so Dave, how'd you first come to this film? Do you remember? Uh, literally just, you know, I was in college at the time, saw a trailer. It, it, this was right in my wheelhouse. Um, I, it just looked so good. I hadn't read the, hadn't read the book. I usually, uh, am a book guy and I always think that the books are better than movies. And this is one of the few cases where I went and read the book afterwards and I actually think the movie is better than the book. Mm. Yeah. Have you, have you read the book? Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, this is one of those rare moments where I read the book before I saw oh, the really? movie. Yeah, and I was I because I had become a huge fan of Manhunter out of the eighties, oh, the original right. yeah. Manhunter yeah. Right, with William Peterson. Right. And so, because I was a huge Michael Mann fan through the eighties with Miami Vice and everything, so when I saw that uh, there was a sequel to it called Silence of the Lambs, I immediately got it from oh. the from the the, uh, the bookstore, and I tore through that book. And I, I, here's what I would say: I I, I don't 100 percent agree with. The, I think it's equal, I think they're both equal for their different mediums. I enjoy the shit out of the book, and I enjoy the shit out of the movie. Um, but I think the book goes into more detail with the Benjamin Raspail stuff, oh, yeah. stuff like the stuff that this more right. detail. So to me, yeah. I, it took me a long time to shake the cobwebs of the book out of my enjoyment of the movie. Um, yeah. And mm. so I always felt that the that, that there was so much more that they could have explored in the movie. But rewatching it for the show today. 
finally the cobwebs are out and I was able to really enjoy the movie as a standalone piece and it's it's such a fantastic film to revisit if you haven't revisited in a while yeah and so since we're talking about the book and I saw it in the theaters just like sorry just don't mean yeah. to but I saw it in theaters just like Dave I saw the trailer had to go see it I saw it like four times in the theaters I just loved it so much it's always a weird experience whether you go book to movie or movie to mm-hmm. book because there's usually so much more in the book and the, but if there's a thing you love in the movie that's not right. in the book or vice versa right. it always hurts um, but but if you're interested in the book, I think you should, not only should you read it, but you should actually listen to it on Audible. Because, Ooh. guess what? The Cinephiles <laughs> hey, has a sponsor. We do. I love Audible. This is this is 100% true. I've been mm-hmm. a subscriber for 10 years. Yeah. I have a huge audiobook library. Whenever I'm referencing things from books, the odds are I listen to it on Audible yeah. uh, from one of their 180,000 titles in their catalog. And if you're interested in going to read the Thomas Harris books... They're on Audible. I saw they're actually in, they have them in Spanish. Yeah, they, you know you could go check them out. Muy and if bien. you do, we would like you to go to audibletrial.com/slash/thecinephiles, and that's C I N E F I L E S, no dash. And if you do, you get a free book. You get a thirty day trial. Yeah, and it helps us out. Yeah. So once again, that's audibletrial.com/slash/thecinephiles. Our first sponsor and our first plug for our first sponsor. <laughs> Fantastic. And I was here for it. Yeah. yeah, you did such a great job with that. Um, uh, and yeah, I saw it in the theaters too. Mm-hmm. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to get me to go to see a scary movie. Oh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. No, like this kind of scary movie or do you mean horror in general? Well, horror, I'm out. Okay. I'm, I'm generally out. <laughs> completely out. But I love great films. Gotcha. And this, this, is, and, well, this is one of the questions is, is this a horror film? No. Or, or no. is this a thriller? Psychological thriller. Yes. Yeah. I agree with Dave completely. What's the difference? That is a great question. Because it is scary. For me, horror is, boo, gotcha. And this is more of uh, going inside your mind. Like the horror, right, it's right. real horror as opposed to scare horror. This is something very deep inside you. Yeah, it's unsettling and it works. It, I, like if you notice, there's not a lot of gore uh, mm-hmm. for, for most of the movie. It's all a lot of it is a lot of, A lot of it is in pictures and a lot of it is in your imagination. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in a regular horror movie, there's people being pursued, usually teenagers, you know, right. but, there, but it, there's a lot of blood and you see a lot of killing. And here it's 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 everything's afterward and mm-hmm. uh, and it's just the 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 effects of it. There's yeah. also a reality to it. Yes. That and, and I'm not, you know, the expert on horror films at all. But this part of what's so unsettling is that it feels like our world and real mm-hmm. and of course a lot of it is based on things that you know they draw from some real world stories yeah, yeah. and supernatural fantastical elements are usually in horror like right. Michael Myers won't die Freddy Krueger's right, in dreams right, right. you know those kinds of things and so yeah you have the slasher films but those are slasher films right even a horror like the Badabook or Babadook right and the witch right. those are fantastical still you know right. it follows is probably more closer to this kind of vibe but it, it's really this is a film that is kind of stands on its own and, and I think it's it sparked criminal minds. It sparked alone. Like I think it sparked oh, yeah. so many procedurals yeah. no, off I, this film. Well, I would put this. It's funny. Something I said when we talked about Die Hard. When we talked about yeah, Raiders. Yeah. Um, I certainly feel it about Jaws. Is I put this into the category of great films that ruined Hollywood. <laughs> you know, I, I completely agree. Which is that someone does something amazing, and then what happens? <laughs> it changes what we do in a way, and you get all of this constant repetition of yeah. serial killers yeah. and procedurals that get bigger and bigger and grosser and grosser yeah. and. Yeah. It's just 
you know, exhausted. Well, yeah, I, I, I worked on FBI procedurals yeah. and, and murder shows, and we had all of the John Douglas FBI books. And John Douglas is the guy who started profiling, who the, the Jack Crawford character is based on. Oh, wow. And, you know, had to read all of those. And, and um, it was just so much stuff uh, that's in this movie that everybody's been trying to imitate since you guys have talked about the Beatles before on here. And I was never a Beatles fan, which I know bothers a lot of people, but it was because I came in after, right after they were there. Mm -hmm. And so everything that people loved about the Beatles, I'm like, well, that's what everybody's doing now. Right. And that's for this, for me, that's this movie is everything that came after this movie is yeah. Everybody's, just trying to do that. Yeah. Well, and that's what it would be interesting to see for those of you who haven't seen the film. And of course, we are going to spoil everything. Yeah. But if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't seen the film, it'd be interesting to see how you feel about it, seeing it the, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because what you're going to see is all these things that have almost become cliches. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, the autopsy, the profiling, the right. the serial killer's secret lair, and yeah. psychologically getting into people's heads. And this, is, of course, where it all comes from. Um, let's get into a little bit of the development of it. Here's okay. something that's really interesting that I found out. The first person to buy this, who wanted to make this film, mm-hmm. is Gene Hackman. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he was going to direct what? it. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. And he put his own money into it to buy it. And then as it starts in, the, he was there when they bring in Ted Talley, who's the screenwriter, yeah. who's a playwright. And there's a certain point where he looks at it and it's like, this is just too violent for me. I can't do this. And they gave him his money back and he backed away from the project. Yeah. Wow. Did he want to star in it also? I'm assuming. It's I mean, Jack Crawford, I, I imagine. Would, yeah, I mean, he'd be a good Jack Crawford. I, I don't know who else. See. He can't be Hannibal. No. Well, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins has so just dominate. I mean, like, yeah. no one could be Hannibal Lecter. Right. It's Anthony Hopkins. That's yeah. just all it could be. There are people that argue Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter. He's great. Or that Hunter is great. You know, so you can argue both, but I think, obviously, the enduring legacy yeah. is Hopkins as Lecter. Yeah. So, uh, uh, they bring in Jonathan Demme. Yes. Um, and originally, they were going, they went after Michelle Pfeiffer. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I can, can see, see that. that. I can see Especially that. Especially at that time in her life, because yes, Catwoman was just th- around that time as well. And she also felt this too violent for me. Wow. And uh, Scarface was okay, but this was too <laughs> Yeah. Let's okay. just start now. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, uh, and J- Jodie Foster actively campaigned for this. Wow. She like called up the writer. She called up people. She's like, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And there, there was some resistance to her, which is surprising because she's right off of the accused. Yeah. She's right. just won an Oscar. Um, and yet they finally go, you know what? Maybe this Jodie Foster thing will work out. And again... Can't picture anybody else. Right. It's really hard. I couldn't picture Michelle. Fine. Although after seeing uh, Hannibal, yeah. I was watching it. I was watching it for, for this, and it, I, I I wondered. I'm like, what would it be, have been like if Julianne Moore was in it from the get go? Oh yeah, because mm, sure. Hannibal's obviously not as good a movie, right. but she does a good job. She does. It's hard to fill in for Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. but I, I, going back and watching, I'm like, I bet she would have been good from the well, start. Well, Julianne Moore. I mean, right, yeah. you, what, what can you say? She's yeah. one of the great actors. But I don't know if Julianne would have been because the thing about that's great about Jodie in this film is Jody is young. Jody yeah. is playing her as young. You know, she's like we've seen her do we've seen Julianne Moore do vulnerable. We talked about it on Boogie Nights. She can do vulnerable, right. but it's always from almost from like kind of a mom place, a more mature place. Right, right. Whereas Jody can access the inner child, I think, a lot easier sure. than Julianne does. And I think for this particular movie, it completely works because you have to have Hannibal like almost uh, overwhelm her at times. Yeah. You know, even though she's holding her own and fights and she's very strong. He's almost like a pseudo father figure because she didn't have a her father died when she was ten oh, years old. Yeah. So it's it would have been an interesting dynamic though to see Julianne what she would do how different it would be. Yeah. So let's get, let's get into the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Originally, the movie was supposed to start in some like kind of it sounds like a Kobayashi Maru like we mm. think it's a real action, but it ends up being a training thing right. in which she accidentally shoots a kid in it. Mm. And and uh, I think the decision to do I think the opening of this movie is so great. Yeah, it's, we're on an obstacle course. It's cold. It's foggy. She's all alone. She's running up a hill. The obstacle course is hard. Yeah. And I think it's so it so sets what this movie is mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. which is her overmatched. Absolutely. Yeah. Her always having to overcome adversity that seems bigger than her. Right. And by herself. By herself. Right. It's very symbolic, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. like and Jody's doing all the stunts. She you that show of that sh- shot of her climbing the rope wall and swinging down like she's yeah. completely doing all that stuff. And I think it's great that they keep that on her the whole time because it let, it sets her character yeah. very powerful. And there's a thing I, I didn't notice until I was just watching it, is yeah. even uh, I think one of the things that makes this such a good psychological thriller is that it gets in your personal space. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it does that from the opening credits. Yeah. The opening cards are there's no more than three names on a card and it takes up the whole yeah. screen. So ju- even just the names are yeah. in your face and in your space and you're a little off put right. by it. And the score. The yeah. score. Oh yeah. yeah I was yeah, just yeah. gonna say the same thing. Yep. Howard Shore and it's a very unusual score. It's very non melodic yep. and it is very it's heavy yeah. like like we're into heavy stuff well this is all serious you yeah. know yeah. Uh, it doesn't give you any lightness there's not a lot, no. of, not a lot no. of joy in here and That's... even little things like walk, going by that sign which I've got to assume is a real sign mm-hmm. it's really shot at Quantico really shot at the FBI and by the way you have to you have to ask the FBI oh yeah oh, and yeah. the FBI looked at this script and said we want this good because they wanted more female FBI agents, and they thought this is going to be a recruiting te- tool. And as we're in the obstacle, <laughs> it's the course, Top Gun of psychological yeah, thrillers. <laughs> and apparently, it really was. I'm apparently, sure. FBI. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Um, and there's that sign in the obstacle course, which is "Hurt, Agony, Pain, Love It." Yep, <laughs> that's so great at mm-hmm. just setting what this movie is going to be about. Yeah, same thing in the military, man. Yeah. they tell you to love that crap. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah, I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, young people can love that crap. Um, yeah, Steve's life is cake. Steve's <laughs> life is such cake. There's no pain or agony. Or oh, I didn't say I didn't have pain. I just said I don't love it. There you, know, you go. There you go. Right. That's true. No, I'll, I'll get through it. <laughs> so, so we get to Quantico, and, and, and she walks into it, and there's just something so important that I have to point out. She is the shortest person in the oh, whole FBI. They yep. use that all the time. It's all such the time. great effect. It's so, I mean, like she goes into this elevator at one point, surrounded by all tall red guys. In red, right. Yeah. yeah. All dudes in red, yeah. And it's just continually these little details that are pulling her out, making mm-hmm. her different, mm-hmm. isolating her alone. She's small. She's young. Right. It's so important. But they're also increasing your feeling of dread subconsciously. The idea that they're all in red, that red always signifies right, right. danger, right? This whole idea. Absolutely. And they're checking her out when she walks by. There's that kind of... A little bit of the like, oh, look at her, look at her. What's a woman doing here? Or she's being seen as a sexual object, which happens throughout the movie as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is they're setting everything up before she even has the first meeting with Crawford. Well, much like as we talked about in Alien, this is a feminine in Aliens. Yeah, this is a feminist movie. Yep. Yeah, you know, this is a movie that's really showing in a really real way yeah. how tough it is for her in all sorts of ways, and what we watch her with great difficulty sometimes yeah. overcoming it. Yeah. Yeah, but but incredible strength too. Which, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's just it's truly admirable and uh, 
and constant. And, and this is powerful for you too, I imagine, Dave, because you're the father of two daughters. Yeah, and so absolutely. there's there's the, uh, a thing here too, the, the looking at how a woman is portrayed. Because in the film, she's portrayed not she's strong, but she's also vulnerable. And right. It's these these really good pieces that are feminist pieces show both sides because women are both sides. Right. Because usually, you know, usually if it, if it's a psychological thriller or a horror movie, yeah. it's usually a woman being terrorized. Uh, right. Yeah. And she is the main character. You mm -hmm. think that she's gonna be this is gonna be like a wait until dark scenario. Right. But it's not. She is she is the hero of the movie, the and yeah. she stands up to the scariest guy who's ever been on film, yeah. and earns his respect. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And you have a choice when you're establishing a hero. Like there is the Arnold Batman. Right, right. I show no pain. I have no weakness. Right. And that and the and there's definitely a draw to that kind of hero. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the John McClane yeah. kind of hero who man. is being heroic, but part of being heroic is overcoming fear. Yeah. Right, is right. overcoming pain. Is overcoming weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's who Clarice Starling is. Yeah. yeah. You know, is that you're going to see her overcome it. You're gonna see her struggle in one of the first places we see her struggle. She's called into Crawford's mm -hmm. office mm -hmm. and she's alone there for a moment yeah. and looks at the photographs on the wall of the victims of Buffalo Bill. Yeah, and once again it just furthers the dread. Right, it just furthers this feeling of terror and dread. There is no lighthearted moments, almost no lighthearted moments in this movie. It's like one. It's like one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Somebody, are you hitting on me or something like yeah. that? There's yeah. maybe that, but everything else it just has this real power to it. Yeah. That's that is that goes to unsettle the audience from the beginning. So, uh, uh, FBI agent, special agent Crawford or whatever yes. it is, mm -hmm. uh, Scott Glenn comes yeah. in. Yeah. Um, it is a you know we talked we talked briefly about Scott Glenn before yeah. in Apocalypse Now. Um, I love Scott Glenn, yeah. Yeah. and this is like the least Scott Glenny of Scott Glenn performances <laughs> yes. I can think of. That's a great totally point. Agree. Yeah. Scott Glenn has such a dynamic energy to him, yeah. That and this sort of gruff sort of thing, and this is not that. No, I, I would say this and the right stuff are the two performances where you kind of see him kind of not do that yeah. same stuff even, over and like, over again. Yeah, he, even in the right stuff, he's got a little bit of danger. Yeah. There's yeah. always a That's danger true. and anger, a, a yeah. dark thing, and and in a movie of such darkness, it's weird that he's. Yeah, the least <laughs> conflicted or dark character. And probably. I call him the American Max von Sydow because he has looked the same age for <laughs> 30, 40 years. Like he is like the same decades. When he showed up in Daredevil, yeah, as Stick. <laughs> and like, Stick is always one of my favorite comic book characters. Yeah. And when he showed up, I was like, yes, that is the perfect, perfect yep. person to play that role. Yep. And they just released, as we're recording this today, the new trailer for the defend for the Defenders. And he, shows up and he is the voiceover from a majority of the trailer. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. He's a good anchor, just like he is in this film for Jodie Foster for Jodie Foster's yeah. character he's a good anchor and he's willing to be corrected to be taught by her which I right. think is really a good powerful uh, relationship and, and in this scene we see for the first time this technique that Jonathan Demme is going to use a lot which is rather than frequently in film on a wide screen you put uh, characters on the left or on the right yeah. so you have one person on the left side of the frame looking to the right and the other on the right side of the frame looking left that's not what we see here they're right in the center mm -hmm. and frequently they're looking right into or almost right into the oh, lens yeah. of the camera I have so yeah. much to say about this <laughs> yeah. please please well, do no, like Jonathan Demme I have always said is the, the king of the extreme close up the e ECU it's like yeah. he uses it a little bit in Philadelphia also yes. but for here it's. I think it's one of the main reasons this is so psychological is because you are in the movie now. Mm -hmm. Because almost all the time, like you said, he's he's the the character is addressing you, looking right down the lens, mm -hmm. and so when 
Clarice is talking to Hannibal, Hannibal's looking right at you right at when you, he's yeah. talking. Yeah. And you and Clarice is looking right at you, telling you these stories. And yeah. so you are in there. And that just helps you get into the psychological mindset of everything that's going on. And also, you know, you're uncomfortable because you're yeah. so close sometimes. And yeah. so that puts you on edge. I think it's like a huge reason why this movie is so good. Yeah, absolutely. It does. I think one thing it does require great actors yeah. yes yep. because you got to remember that if they're looking right at the at you the audience then that means they were acting the scene right to camera yeah and that's not an easy thing to do it really isn't no. an easy thing to do <laughs> yeah well like one thing if you're generally looking into the barrel of the lens of the camera the thing you're seeing is your reflection yep right and so you're looking at yourself giving this role it is yeah, it's hard this is why actors practice in front of mirrors man yeah, yeah. because they want to see what they look like looking back at them when they look in the yeah. lens yeah. And yeah. I sometimes think that everybody must have been cast for their eyes yeah because she has this look yeah. she has this ethereal you know almost a child like you said mm -hmm. very washed out like almost ghostly yeah. her hair is framed it's just this wan pallid face with these big eyes uh uh um lector has these uh, incredible piercing eyes everybody in this movie has like these crazy eyes you know everybody that's that's of that level that's going to get the extreme close-up well and the expression the eyes are the windows of the soul yeah. i don't know if there's we have a soul but I know that expression is true in filmmaking. Yeah. Is that there is so much. I'm sorry, John. I have We're getting a soul. some looks from John. I have a soul. Good. I don't know about you, but I have a soul. Um, it's, it's really up for debate. Not for me, it isn't. Not for me, it isn't, You clearly. Yeah. I might have a space where there's a soul. Is there a little note that says, I owe you one soul, God? He doesn't talk to me anymore. Um, so... <laughs> so, well, so one thing, by the way, we've neglected to mention about yeah. uh, about Clarice Starling yes. is that she's not a full FBI agent yet. No, she's, right. she's, she's training. training. Yeah. She's right near the end of her training. Yeah. And, for, and Crawford is asking her to go do this job for me. We're interviewing all the serial killers now in custody for a psychobehavioral profile. Could be a real help in unsolved cases. Most of them have been happy to talk to us. You spook easily, Starling? Not yet, sir. See, the one we want most refuses to cooperate. I want you to go after him again today in the asylum. Who's the subject? The psychiatrist, Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal the cannibal. Here's my question. How do you feel about Agent Crawford? He's a manipulative son of a bitch. Wow. <laughs> okay. I go back and forth because there are times where I'm like going, oh my God, is he just using her? Or And sometimes I go, oh, he really cares about her. Sometimes I think he's attracted to her. You know, okay, it's hard. Yeah, well, there, uh, as you know from reading the book, there yeah. was there was a subplot in the book where there is an attraction. Yeah, he has a sick wife. Yeah, but there's a thing going on. Mm -hmm. I love that they thin that out for the movie because Absolutely. it's and and you just get hints at it. Mm -hmm. So so that's a thing. But uh, I do think he cares about her. What but do you think? I, I would turn your question on its head, Steve. Is that would we be asking this if she was a, a male young trainee? And I, we've seen young, we've seen of older course. men haze young male trainees all the time and so it never it never uh, unsettles us when we see it for the most part so to me i think he's treating her like he would treat anybody else anybody else that was a young trainee so now is he exploiting her sexuality with hannibal absolutely but that's the tool she has to use a young other male agent would be exploited in a different way you know his his uh, youthfulness or his aggressiveness as a young male which i see all the time uh, with young guys nowadays you know and uh, so those are the things the different taxes that he uses so I don't think Crawford's a bad guy. I think he's a smart 
director and knows how to use his people correctly, and he knows she can handle it, even if she doesn't know she can handle it. But what's also great about him is that she corrects him when he does when he embarrasses her later in the film right, in right. front of those deputies. He she say he says it really turned it really made you upset. Why? Yeah. Is, and he doesn't say it like, "Hey, are you all right?" He right. says it, it really turned your screw. And she says yes because people look at you to see how to act. Yeah, to clarify what this point is, yeah. is that he he's we, we're with some sheriffs. Yes, and uh, so much later in the film, but yeah. he um, he's trying to move the sheriff away because the sheriff is vocally in right. front of everyone and trying to undercut uses, the FBI's power. He uses Clarice and right. says, "Hey, let's maybe not talk about this essentially in front of a woman." Right, and. She allows it to happen and then later calls him on it yeah. and says, they treat, they look at me based on how you treat me. Right. And what's great in that moment is Crawford, Scott Glenn's character, owns it. And he yeah. says, good point. Yeah. No, you know, absolutely. Noted. Yeah. yeah. Noted. I'm not saying yeah. he's a terrible person. No, I'm no, just no. saying he's manipulative. Yes. Which is, you know, which he, he's, he's playing chess with yes. Hannibal. So yeah. he has to think several moves ahead. And well, I would agree. And I would, I would say that this job is not a job where you can hold hands and be kumbaya. No, like you absolutely. have to do some dirty shit. Yeah. I don't like that song, kumbaya. <laughs> I did. Let's do that tangent. Let's do that tangent now. I see <laughs> that in the notes gr- growing up in the <laughs> Growing up in the 70s in Marin uh, County, we did hold hands and sing oh, kumbaya. Gosh, so did I in Virginia. It was I, ridiculous. Like, I hated that song. And this land is your land as well. Yeah. Well, that song's like, I like that well, song. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't like it holding hands and singing it in elementary school. I didn't want to be made to hold hands. Yeah. Dave, hold my hand. <laughs> um, I just want one quick thing I want to go back sure. to that I think was such a great point that you made is that, because what you said was that it's it's our sexism as the audience mm-hmm. that we're bringing to that moment that's making maybe making us perceive. Yeah. And that's something you got to think about. It certainly relates to this film is... You're not making a movie in a vacuum. No. You're making a movie for a culture that has certain expectations, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're going to interpret it based on that culture. So I thought mm-hmm. uh, that was a great point. I just wanted to highlight it before oh, we thanks, move on. Um, the, uh, so uh, rare moments. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I think we could go back over the last 40 episodes and see that's not true. Um, uh, so uh, this wonderful cut where he says, don't forget what Hannibal Lecter is. Right. And she says, what is he? And then we cut... And the sentence is finished at a new location by the wonderful Dr. Chilton. Yeah. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. And what is that? Oh, he's a monster. A pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So many good transitions in this yeah. movie, and that's yeah. the first of them. Yeah. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, the transition, the transition is fantastic. Yeah. And... Oh, Dr. Chilton. That hair is just everything. <laughs> it's just everything. And his you teeth know? and his smile yep. and the smug. He radiates yeah. smug. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's horrible. Yeah. Oh, a horrible human being. Yeah. <laughs> and is immediately sexually harassing uh, Starling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In a ham-handed way. Yeah. <laughs> Baltimore could be an interesting city if you have the right guy. Get the fuck out of here, yeah. you dirty well, and, and what's so horrible, and you can see her take it in, yeah. and her like, okay, I have to now deal with this, mm-hmm. and this is what we see throughout the film. Right. I take this thing in, it's uncomfortable, and now I have to overcome it. Yeah. yeah. She rejects him in a fairly nice way. No, and remember, yeah. this, this is 1992 or 1991. 91, 91 yeah. right? In 2017, it's so weird to see this, right? But But, but women are talking about this. In volumes now, we're hearing in in articles and in pieces in Twitter. This is something they deal with on a daily basis all the time. And to see it so highlighted in this film, you think they're exaggerating. And they're probably, with most women's experience, is probably less than what they they actually. And it's still, it seems so overt in this film. And this is is one of those areas. It's it's one of the first areas where you see this strength from her. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's not not grandiose or or large. It's just Mm -hmm. a, a quiet strength where she obviously, like you said, deals 
deals with this all the time. And this man is like the definition of unctuous. The the award was made for him. And she just, (laughs) she just completely redirects him, turns around, gets, gets what she wants out of him. And then it's like, thanks. And and he's left wondering what the hell happened. And the minute, the minute that she turns him down, his whole manner changes. Yeah. And he is horrible to her. Mm -hmm. I see. Let's make this quick then. Because he rushes her through, and it's apparently like three different locations the way they shot this. Yeah. Basically going through this descent into hell right. while he describes the rules of seeing Hannibal Lecter. And, and the fact that he's rushing it so fast and it's so scary. It's an overwhelming experience mm-hmm. going down into right. this pit. Do not touch the glass. Do not approach the glass. You pass in nothing but soft paper. No pencils or pens. No staples or paper clips in this paper. Here's the sliding food carrier. No exceptions. If he attempts to pass you anything, do not accept it. Do you understand me? Yes, I understand, sir. I love how much darker it gets as you go yep. level to level, and then the red lights near yeah. the end. Yeah, all of that. And we, yeah, we go into this red light space, and he says, I'm going to show you why we insist on such precautions. On the afternoon of July 8, 1981, he complained of chest pains and was taken to the dispensary. His mouthpiece and restraints were removed for an EKG. When the nurse leaned over him, he did this to her. The doctors managed to reset her jaw, more or less, save one of her eyes. His pulse never got above 85, even when he ate her tongue. And he shows her a photograph. Right. Yeah, and the beautiful part is we don't see the Yeah, we don't see it. Just like you said earlier, yeah. Dave, it's all in our minds. What yeah. we imagine just from his description of having to set her jaw yeah. and her eye. And again, the great performance of Jodie Foster. Yeah. She takes it in. She responds to it. Yeah. She controls her emotions. She summons her courage. And then she dismisses him <laughs> in the most <laughs> awesome and cool way. Yeah. yeah. If Lecter feels that you're his enemy, then um, well, maybe we'll have more luck if I go in by myself. You might have suggested this in my office and saved me the time. Yes, sir. Then I I would have missed the pleasure of your company, sir. It's just fantastic. And then his comeback is so great because it's an emasculated comeback. It's like, yeah. well, you could have told me this earlier instead of wasting it. Because he's in front of other dudes, so he has to kind of try to... Uh, clumsily find yeah. his pride again yeah. and says, you'd have, you'd have saved me a trip all the way down here, right? Yeah. Like, well, who else was going to guide her down here? You, know, <laughs> you, you did it because you wanted to kind of woo her with your knowledge and then when you got castrated, you didn't know how to re- yeah. rediscover your masculinity. Well, his, his, first, his first attempt was, I'm going to be suave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my second attempt is, I'm going to scare the crap out of you. Right. right? And right. That's, how I, that's how I'm going to get my ego. Right. And then that doesn't work either. Yeah, it's and and now we're in this room, and she does this. There's this 360 camera move of looking around at the guns yeah. and the bars and the stone and the thing that we've been doing really almost since we saw Agent Crawford mm-hmm. is building to this entrance. Yeah, yes. we've been building up this person of Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say one thing: Frankie Faison is fantastic. Yes. as as Bernie, Barney. Barney. Yeah, he's just the perfect guy to cast. Right, he's, he's so that nice. buffer between. Yeah, right between yeah. the darkness and. And the light, he is that buffer, and he tell, you know he says you're going to be fine. He gives her that encouragement. Everything that Chilton isn't, yeah. Barney is, yeah. you know. And so then she walks down, and all that she has to encounter, right? Like the multiple migs right. saying you can smell her cunt. All these things that are really unsettling, and it's so descriptive in the book. When you read the oh, book, really? it's even more descriptive what she has to walk through because there's more lunatics that she has to walk through and see until she gets to Lecter. And there's a chair. It's sitting in the middle of this long corridor. Yeah. 
and she walks into the space. And rather than bars, we see these plexiglass wall. And standing there in the center of the room <laughs> is Hannibal Lecter. Good morning. The best. It's it's it. You know, I can't think of anything. You, it's like you said. It's such a buildup, and it doesn't disappoint. Yeah. No. And this this is a guy who, from just you haven't heard him talk yet, and you're scared to death. Mm -hmm. He's and you know he's like fifty some year old white guy. Yeah. It's like you shouldn't like like a kind of guy you'd see anywhere, and yet you are petrified yeah. terrified even though you know you're safe and this is because one... it's a pov shot it's just right. like just like the roundabout going through the room you you are in the center of the pov shot where you go around the room yeah. and so you you're that character and then you come down and it's the pov so you're now you're her meeting him yeah and this terrified. is one of those things where demi doesn't have to do the extreme close-up because she wants that whole shot of him because the physicality of anthony hoskins exactly, yeah. in how he's even standing yes he like, is commanding the entire space not just the room he's in the entire frame and there's know? a sense of he knew she was coming yep yeah he's just standing he's been standing here for we don't know how long yep. waiting for you <laughs> um and and it's interesting too so demi is talking to hopkins and and Anthony Hopkins, by the way, is one of my all-time favorite actors. I just I, he can do no wrong as That's far as I'm concerned. Be, yeah. And and Demi is talking to him, and he wasn't a big star at this point. No, like Demi had seen him in Elephant Man, right? Uh, and where he played this very compassionate doctor, and mm -hmm. he said, "That's what I need for Hannibal Lecter." Wow, and that was it's like ten years, ten ago. years yeah. earlier. Yeah, and uh, and I like the earliest thing I'd ever saw him in was he's in Lion and Winter. Oh yeah, playing, that's right. Richard, um, a very young Anthony Hopkins. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway. Uh, so Demi had asked him, where, where do you want to be when she shows up? You want to be sitting in the chair? You want to be lying on the bed, sitting on the floor? What do you want to be doing? And he said, and it was Hopkins who said, what if I'm standing still in the center of the room? And Demi like, <laughs> takes a pause and goes, okay. <laughs> um, and Hopkins knew, one, one of the things that he said is he said, uh, always play the opposite of expectations. Mm -hmm. And he said that stillness and economy is much more powerful than a bunch of loud Right. grandiose movement. Well, I think Yoda is like that in the Star Wars franchise. Sure. Yoda is economy of movement. When he needs to whip out that lightsaber and go nuts and flip around, he can do that. But he doesn't have to. Well, it doesn't have to. And it's a great example, too, of always play the opposite. Yes. Here there's this great Jedi master, the most powerful guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. Meet Yoda. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Four foot tall yeah and, and just uh, you have to, if you have to come to them, that gives them power. Right. So it's like... That's a, a lot of actors, I'm sure, do the thing where, like, this is a scene where we're going crazy, and I'm yeah. going to whisper instead yeah. of yell, yeah. Because now you have to listen. And, and little things like he asked for his prison garb to be tailor fit, which you could see it's all. <laughs> it really is. It's snuck. just it's perfect. <laughs> and uh, and and things like the smelling. Yeah. The smelling is just watching his nostrils flare is yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the first thing I'd ever seen Anthony Hopkins in was Magic. I don't know if anybody remembers oh that, that horror film where the dummy that. comes to... It's a ventriloquist film from like I the 70s. Oh, I don't and, want to talk yeah. about that. <laughs> Almost like a clown. Ventriloquist that's dummies right, are true. the clowns of the puppet world. Yeah, in his mind, the dummy comes to life starts telling him what to do. This oh. is not child's play. This is like real shit. And it was an awesome film. And he did such a good job in that. So I saw shades of that right. in, in what he's doing with Lecter. When he goes evil in, in Magic, I see right. shades of it in Lecter. It's so hmm. great to see him do that. Again. He, he he's he's so powerful and yeah. this conversation this is the first of several conversations we're going to have where it's just long dialogue between two people yeah and it is as it is it is thrilling mm -hmm. 
You know, it's not often you can say that about just a still dialogue scene, but it no. is thrilling. Yeah, that uh, that was another uh, another point I wanted to make about psychological thrillers is that something that he he does that also unsettles you, Demi does, is the pacing is fantastic because yeah. you start out, it, there, there's some action, then you go right into, I need you to go meet this guy, and she goes and meets this guy, and it, it, it's a good pacing. But what he does is all of the interesting scenes here, like you said, are just dialogue between the two of them. Yep. And so then the interspersed scenes are are action, whereas normally an action movie or other movie, there's big action sequences, and in between there's some investigation or some yeah. uh, some dialogue, some people talking. This is a lot of scenes of two people talking and then in between there's car chases and guns and like all of her training yeah, yeah. it's like climbing walls and fighting and and shooting at the shooting range and it, and that's all extraneous right yeah. this is the heart right yeah. and and it's really about building this relationship between starling and lector right and we start building right here like her agenda is i need to get this guy to sign this thing right but he wants to have a conversation and I, she understands that like mm -hmm. she her intelligence of like how to deal with him she gets shown right away mm -hmm. up until this point where she tries to force the issue well perhaps you'd care to lend us your view on this questionnaire oh no 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 you were doing fine you had been courteous and receptive to courtesy you had established trust with the embarrassing truth about Migs, and now this ham-handed segue into your questionnaire it won't do i still don't know what his accent is but i <laughs> yeah, love it right. it's, it's, all, it's a little all yeah, over the place sure receptive to courtesy <laughs> um well and he's also messing with her because he yeah. takes on her accent yeah, some of yeah. the time when he's talking to her and then he destroys her yeah. i mean like he comes at her with the, it's sort of like the Sherlock Holmes moment where I know everything about you, mm -hmm. right? And he does it to just break her into little pieces, right? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube, a well scrubbed hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed, pure West Virginia. What is your father to you? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the land? You know how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the backseats of cars while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the empty And does she break? No. She doesn't break. No. You see a lot, Doctor? Or are you strong enough to point that high-powered perception at yourself? What about it? Why don't you, why don't you look at yourself and write down what you see? Or maybe you're afraid to. I have watched this movie so many times, and I always just loved it. And I never stopped to think, like, why does he like her so much? Right. Yeah. Uh, I just accepted it, and it and it's it, it's. Yeah, I think this is why. This is yeah. it's yeah. it's that, and also she treats him. Normally, there's mm -hmm. there's a moment where he's like, "Oh, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool?" Yeah. And she, you, you can see other other uh, other places in the scene where she has that drive and that desire, mm -hmm. and she's wanting to get this thing from him. Yeah. But at that moment, she's like, "No, no, no!" And it's genuine. She's treating him like a person. And then he does everything that he does, obviously to Chilton, because Chilton's yeah. his bitch. But he does everything he normally does to take 
take command of a situation and she won't let him do it. Yeah. Right. And she holds her own. And yeah. He respects that very much. And I think also there is this feeling of like she she he sees her as a pure thing. She's he can dissect yeah. her, yeah. but in dissecting her, he doesn't find ulterior motives that are evil. Like he found with Raspail, like he found with Chilton, like he found with probably numerous other people. And he's a listen. It's a charismatic performance, absolutely. But he's still a horrible, horrible human being. <laughs> but the thing that re, re, that thing that redeems him is this relationship with Clarice, because it's essentially a date. It's essentially a date, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and they're not necessarily. He's flirting with her in a different way, but he's also a father figure as well. Like he walks this line, and she has this because we find out later how her father died when she was ten years old. Because he, you know, he wants. So we see this with Jack Crawford. We see this with Anthony and it, uh, with a uh, lecture, but it doesn't take away her power. Just because she has this proclivity to, to have these father figures in a way in her life, she still retains her strength and her power because her determination is off the charts. Well, and both with Crawford and with Lecter, mm-hmm. she's not fully subservient. Right. No. She right. teaches them things. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't overpower Lecter, right, but right. she certainly stands up to him. Yes. She holds her own with him, and obviously the same with Crawford. Um, and one thing we should say is that it, it's important with Lecter. We talked about this with uh, other films with who had great villains. Is yeah. that there is a difference between liking someone in a movie and thinking they are morally good. Yes, yeah, is that, absolutely. Is that I love Hannibal Lecter yes. as a character to watch in a film. Yes. That doesn't mean he's not a monster of no. purely evil scariness. <laughs> yes. But but that's what's so he is endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And in a weird way, as we're going to get to, you root for him. Yep. Oh, yeah. Even yes. though he's doing horrible, awful, terrible things. Right. So there is... One line in this film that there's a lot of movies that have one line that yeah. is the most famous line that gets repeated over and over again and is yeah. over repeated. I think we have to mention I ate his liver yeah. with some fava beans oh, yeah. and a nice Chianti right. and then the noise. You know what's amazing? You said that and I wasn't sure which line you're going to do because there's so many good lines in this movie. Yeah, but that line I, yeah, is the that's line. That's the best, and yeah. I, but I completely forgot. And about the it. noise after the line. Oh, yeah. And it's one of those things. It's like I think we kind of talked about this when we talked about Pulp Fiction and the mm-hmm. Royale with cheese. Yeah. Is that. It is an amazing moment. The noise he makes is amazing, and it, it like 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 a pop song that got overplayed. Yeah, you know what I mean. I just heard it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um. And, and I don't know that it even can still have the impact watching the film at this point because I've heard it so much. No. Yeah. That's the thing we talked mm-hmm. about earlier is that I was saying about the Beatles is that everybody's doing it now. Yeah. Like every bad guy that we've seen since 1991 wants to be Hannibal Lecter. Right. Right. And and they're not. Right. You know, and, and and this is this is that moment where, if you you watch it now, I would I don't know what it would be like to watch it for the first time now because right. everything probably seems cliche yeah. because everybody else has done it since then. Yeah. Right. The two, it's funny, two that pop to mind that like are in the same league is one we've already talked about, which is Anton Chigurh. Yes, in Ooh. No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Absolutely. And the other one that I know we will talk about is Heath Ledger. Yep. Dark Knight in Dark Knight. Oh, I was going to mention yeah. that too. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, and those are two that have that same mm-hmm. not knowable force of nature. Right. You know, there's no background with either of them. Even yeah. when you're given the background that he was a psychiatrist, whatever, you don't know why he developed right. a taste right. for flesh, yeah. or where it came from. Same thing with Chigurh, and same thing with, with oh, Heath Ledger. Ledger. He, he gives you three different origin stories in one movie, yeah. which is great. Um, so, so that's going to be the end of the of the interview. Yeah, you know, he he sends us fly away, little starling. Yeah, fly, 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 fly. <laughs> and she walks down and starts to leave, and then Miggs uh, has been masturbating. Yes, that's why he's called multiple Miggs. And <laughs> it is, it is because he multiply he masturbates multiple times a day. Is that why? I that's why he had yeah. multiple personalities. No, 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 because no, he masturbates oh, multiple right. times a okay. day. Okay. Did you see a different personality from when she showed up? 
He was a nut the whole way through. The same nut all the way through. No, I thought they said he had multiple. I don't know, but maybe I... Yeah. I, I okay. So, and he throws the... Um, Results is, yeah. of his uh, of his work. <laughs> right, his and hits her yes, in the face. We we're not going to draw the line at calm, are we? <laughs> I have a very delicate sensibility. <laughs> but this, is, this is one of my favorite moments in the movie because of the ballsiness of this film. Yeah. Nothing right. like this film had oh. ever been oh, done absolutely. before. To show come flying in that is not porn. To show come flying in the face of her hair. It I is, was so surprised because that's in the book, and yeah. I was so surprised that they did yeah, that. It's so off, but it's one yeah. of those it's things I remember being in the and theater gross. and being. I was on a I was on a date, yeah. and it was oh. a double date. So I was wow. like, I'm there with my college girlfriend and my yeah. brother and his girlfriend, who yeah. later became my sister in law. Wow! And like, this is one of those things where like, holy shit! Yeah. And it's not the only holy shit movie right. in the so, movie. Yeah, right. it's so rough, and that causes Lecter to call her back. Yes, and because he hates discourtesy, right? And he gives her one little clue. Yeah, which is Miss Moffat or something. What's yeah, yeah. Miss Moffat. Deep, look deep inside yourself. And miss and find Miss Moffat. Yeah. So something that occurred to me watching this last time is I went, oh, if Miggs doesn't masturbate, then right. Catherine dies. Movie's over. Yeah. 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 Right. But those are those little That's, things that can happen. Yeah. In life. I had never thought about that yeah. before. Yeah. Because I don't think we get anywhere. No, you're right. Because yeah. he had dismissed her. Yeah. Right. And she goes back to Crawford and says, I didn't get anywhere. She goes back to her training class. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And Buffalo Bill k- kills some more people. Probably. Yeah. Right. So thanks, Miggs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the li- the R.I.P. multiple mix. <laughs> yeah, the R.I.P. multiple mix. Um, he finally fulfilled his purpose. He really did. <laughs> then we have a really brief flashback uh, that's sort of where yes. we see, yeah, which yeah, is which sort I of love. odd. Yeah, I love the, this the way flashback. flashbacks are handled in this movie is very subtle mm-hmm. because they don't they don't spell it out for you. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, oh, I think this is a flashback. Oh, what's that about? Right. And now we're into training. Uh, we get a little bit of her training. We we see one little piece that's important. She goes into this room uh, yeah. in a training situation. She doesn't check her corner, and right. she would have gotten right. killed. But that's great because it shows you she's not nece- like she's not Uber, right? You right. know, she's she struggles. It like it yeah. really humanizes her mm-hmm. and lets you know that she's you know it's hard on every level for her. And I would argue that this comes into play at the end of the film. Because she hears the click, yep, yep, that yep. is her turning because of what had happened in the room. Yep. She, when she hears the Excellent click, point. she's Excellent already point. ready to go. That's, it's and, a beautiful plant. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. Um, and then we hear that Miggs is dead. Yes, that Lecter talked him to death. Essentially, that's again, that's... <laughs> which is again, you didn't see it, nope. So you can only imagine it, and it's so much worse than anything they could have shown. It's right. terrifying. Right. It, 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 it elevates his power to this superhero sort of level. Yeah. How do you make a man swallow his own tongue? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Tune in next week for the Chronicles, the Hannibal Lecter Chronicles. And that's also, once again, that's in the book. And it's it's the scene is actually in the book between him and, Mul- and oh, really? Miggs, which is really oh. interesting. Oh, I didn't yeah, remember. See, I, read, I read the book, but it was in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that book so long ago. It stayed with me. I read it over and over again. That book and The Firm, I read over and over and over again. And Sphere. Oh, I love Spear, the Crichton Spear. Oh, right. I love that film. I love that book. You must have been so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the film was a piece of shit. Spear is such a great book. Not yeah, coming yeah. anytime soon to the cinema. It's a really long list. I would venture list. ever. Yeah, 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 it's a really long list. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Starling has, has the deduction that leads them to the storage unit. Yeah. Oh, it's a great scene. And this is just one example, filmmaking-wise, of filling your scene with great details. Yeah. You didn't need to have a great supporting character come in, but he's a great character. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you didn't need to have that door not able to lift up, and she gets the jack and all that. But those yeah. are great details. Or her cutting her leg. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can smell the blood later. 
to to reinforce his supernatural powers apparently. Yeah. And I love the I love the my driver does not like yeah. to do physical. Yeah, yeah that thing. It's just so <laughs> random. But that's but that's good filmmaking. Yep, absolutely. Is, every moment in a movie is an opportunity to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and the details in this movie are astounding on every level. Not just the not just the characters in those little moments, yeah. but like I gotta give a shout out to the the production design and set dress. Absolutely. Yes. You go in the storage space. There's so much stuff in there yeah. and even Crawford's office the, all yeah. of the photos all of the articles and mm. later when we get to when we get to Bill's basement I have a oh, lot man. to say about Bill's basement yeah, yeah, yeah. but like there's so many details in everything and yeah. I've watched this movie I don't know 40 times well, and I'm still always finding new stuff mm. and going into this abandoned storage unit even though it seems extremely unlikely that anything's going to hurt you, it's fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that place hasn't been open for 10 years, and you're still uh, terrified for right. her. Absolutely terrified. And the, we find this car that's under this giant mm-hmm. American flag, and as we're looking through the car, we find a head in a bottle. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Raspail. Yeah. But by, by the way, this is one of the things that they're taking from real life. Yes. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer had oh, a yeah. head in yeah, his yeah. refrigerator and yeah. body parts frozen. and Yeah. And again, yeah. such small details. Yep. Like they talk about it. They talk about it later. His, his uh, uh, the sexual identity mm-hmm. thing. But you can see just from the head, there's a false eyelash. Yep. And some right. rouge on the cheek. Yep. And it's just like these little details that, yep. that pull you in. It's amazing. That's a great point. Also, the mannequin is headless. So already yeah, yeah, yeah. in your mind, it unsettles you exactly. that this headless mannequin in a full yeah. dress sitting in the backseat of a car as if it's being simulated for some reason. And then the cover is taken off and you see the head in there. It's just so great. And once again, another film. Ah! Right. Not this film. Right. She's strong. She right. sees it and she's able to process it and move forward. And she doesn't have no reaction. No. She has a reaction yes. and she controls a reaction. Yes, exactly. Um, and she goes back to Hannibal. And this time she shows up fairly aggressively. Yes. To to ask him questions and he hands her a towel yeah <laughs> I, that's an amazing moment to me mm-hmm. and she sits down and she towels off right because he wants to have a converse, civilized right. conversation right but she's not supposed to accept anything from him right you yeah. know so it's, it's been it's been built up earlier it's great and uh, we, we look in his room and there's all this stuff missing where are yeah. his drawings where is stuff and we learn that Chilton is punishing him and particularly there's a TV that's playing like a religious channel. Yeah. And he says, as soon as you leave, they're going to turn the volume way up. Right. Ah, oh, Chilton's a horrible person. <laughs> well, it's not like these are good people. But he is a horrible person. And the way he's set up, because we're so charmed by him, uh, by Lecter, is we see him as more evil than Lecter almost. No, that's... Oh, because yeah. he's that's willfully evil as opposed to uncontrollably evil. Right, yeah. right. Well, because you... And also, you hate Chilton. Yes. You like Lecter. You really do. Yeah. And that's fascinating mm-hmm. is that is in, in a movie sense. I don't know right. if we, we wouldn't like him in real life. No, probably not. I wouldn't be near him in oh real life. Oh, my God. I hope not. I would shoot him on sight. In this scene, he he's the first one who says, I'll help you if you help me. Yes, exactly. So he offers the yep. deal. Yep. And she leaves. Uh, and, and we also – and he mentioned sort of at the end – well, I think, you know, about now he's going to be going, that Buffalo Bill's going to be going after his next right. special lady. Special right. lady. The next, another great transition. And it's a great transition to, <laughs> we're listening to this song. Tom this, Petty. Tom American Petty. Girl. Yeah. 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 Girls, she's rocking out in the car. Yeah, she's Brooke having Smith. a good time. Brooke Smith. Um, and uh, it's interesting. One of the things with both Brooke Smith and Ted Levine, who yeah. we're going to meet soon, sometimes you play a role in a movie and... <laughs> Yes, you, you will forever. never not be dealing with the fact that yeah. you played this yes. role. I yes. came out of this movie and turned to my girlfriend, and I was like, "That guy who played Buffalo Bill <laughs> is never going to get another job." <laughs> yeah. But he did because I, I, it's a testament yeah. to his ability. Yeah. Because I was like, he is so 
perfectly mm-hmm. creepy, and he's that guy. Yeah. He's he's fucked. Yep. And amazingly, he not only got another job, but then and now plays a cop all the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. you got to say something about Ted Levine as an actor that oh he's God, able so to be almost as good as Hopkins. Almost as way. good in his own way. When right? he when he doesn't have people to play against. Yes. I mean. Yes. Great right. Points. When well, he's by himself. Not yeah. a lot of dialogue. No. Yeah. You know, no. Ba- barely any lines. No. And he, the, the and it's funny. Like he is, is, is in a weird way. He's a monster. Yeah. He like, really like, is. It's just this almost uh, beyond sort of. Because mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter is very human. Yeah. And and he's barely human. He's, I mean, yeah. right. But Bill is barely human. Barely human. Right. And we see his first plan. He's got a broken arm. He's trying yeah. to move this couch into the back of a van. Straight up yeah. Ted Bundy. Which is Ted Bundy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And we're introduced to the the um, the glasses that are, they can see at night. Right. You can hit the, yeah. that whole, that very, and once again, this is Demi doing a great job with the ECU, the extreme close. We yeah. see the eyes. Yep. And then the glasses come down, the infrared glasses. And it's this really nice intense. woman helps him move the yeah. thing in the van. You know, when the guy says, you go into the van. <laughs> Don't 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 go in the van. Right. Well, her <laughs> face betrays that too. Her right. face is like, oh, she just feels creepy. But yeah. he's but, got the cast on yes. his arm, so she feels pity for him. Yes. So it's yes. like that extra step. If it mm-hmm. was just a dude with a thing that was too heavy, and, right. she wouldn't do it. And right. again, we don't see what he does to her in the nope. van. Exactly. exactly. That is the, where your imagination happens, yeah. and it is really, really scary and upsetting. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And particularly in the next moment where she he cuts her dress mm-hmm. through the back. But she is not unconscious. Nope. No. She is whimpering. And that makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really distressing scene. Well, and I think this is the difference. And I really want to point this out. to me. When I see other procedures, other films like this, they exploit these moments in a way that exactly. is, to me, offensive. Yes. Whereas Silence of the Lambs walks that line correctly. It doesn't linger. So for your own sick enjoyment. And I think a lot of these TV right. shows. That's a great point. And I totally films, agree. Yeah, that they get it wrong. Yes, because right. they have to do it week after week. Yes. They sensationalize Yes, it. exactly. Which is why Pantinkin said he left Criminal Minds. Because to him it just got too much of that. They were sensationalizing rather than making them criminals. They were almost making them exciting things yes. people to watch. Yeah. Well, this is that quote from Coppola about the violence in Godfather. Yes. He said, I don't want the violence in this film to be pornographic. Right. Is that and that's the thing is when it becomes titillating, yeah. it's fun to watch this thing, which do, which with Hannibal Lecter is escape, it, right? It does get there, but 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 in this case, no, 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 yeah. But uh, they also they, they 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 because that comes so late, you've earned it. There's, yeah, there you, you don't actually except for some photos, you don't actually see a lot of violence. You, right. th- this this punching happens slightly off screen, right? Like you don't see. Anybody really until you get to that that corpse later that right. they autopsy, right. um, uh, which which let's get there because we hear that there's been another body <laughs> yep. and uh, so we're heading off to West Virginia and Crawford continues to be tough on her. Yep, he does not, as you said before, hold hands with her Mm-mm. and sing kumbaya. No. He <laughs> continues to push her and she continues to show not only her strength of character but also her intelligence. Yeah, and that she is maybe ahead of Crawford. For, and we don't know. Like, he's asking her these questions, and she mm-hmm. goes, well, he must be this, he must be this, he must be right. this. Did Croft, had Crawford already figured all that stuff out? Well, yeah, we don't. earlier in the film, he, you know, she says, well, the, they haven't posted the results or whatever. So he knows how good she is. Oh, he's yeah. seen the results of right, her tests right. and her, her analysis from her teachers. So she knows, she, he, he, he deploys her in the right no, that's way. A, that's yeah. a, an excellent point. Yeah. He came to her for yeah. help, yeah. if you think about it. I don't think he expected her to be as much help right. Probably as she's not. being, but, but certainly not. came to her. Uh, we go to the sheriff's office. We have the scene that you talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. And then as there's this moment... 
it moves into a flashback and it is so odd the yeah. way it's handled yeah she's looking into this room and then we see her face and then we're moving into a funeral and the first time I think I saw, I didn't understand that we had entered a flashback. Yeah, this, this flashback confused me the first time yeah. I saw it. The first one when she comes out of of the interview uh, at the insane asylum makes sense because it, it shows you like her emotional right. release. Right. It shows you how hard this whole thing was for her. She had the strength, but now she has to have a moment of vulnerability and reflection. This one was just like, what is going on? And yeah. It took me a while. It takes you, and then it ends up that we realize that it's, it's the young Clarice at yeah. her father's funeral. Yeah. And right as she leans in to kiss him, we're out. Yeah. You know? Um, and once again, these two flashbacks are all centralized on her father and her being a young girl at the time. Yeah. Right. It's really important because that is still there. You know, that's where the steel comes from, having right. to adopt at a young well, age. Well, and it's also the this girl who lost her father. Has and mother. These, and mother yep. has these two fathers. Yep. You know? Right. Of very different kinds. Yeah. Uh, and now we go into the autopsy. Yeah. Again, a staple of procedurals mm-hmm. at this point, although yeah. this one is particularly gross and well done. It yeah. is. Uh, and they have the stuff under their noses to keep from the smell, mm-hmm. which get, it viscerally works on me, like oh, yeah. watching it. Like, I like imagine that smell. Yeah. And the actress who did, who was the body should get some props because you can tell it's a real person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, just... As are, by the way, all the photographs. Yeah. yeah. So all yeah. those photographs are real people that had to be made up and wow. filmed. Like, those aren't dummies or anything. Right. You know, it's the weird things you have to do when you're making a film. I think one of the great things Demi does here is show her reaction. Not like, like everyone else is putting these things on and they've done it before and they have their moment. But she smells it for the first time. Like, she's yeah. a trainee, right? So right. this is her first time seeing a dead body in this kind of situation, we would imagine. Right. And Demi does it through the windows. Right, mm, it's right. Her she's turned away. She's turned away. It's her reflection. So we don't see a close up. We see her through the window, the reflection of her face in the window. Yeah, her brilliant. taking a moment yep. to steal herself before yep. she turns around. So we're not we're not undercutting her. We're giving her more humanity by giving it a bit of distance. I think it's brilliant. It's just and brilliant it, film. And work. again, right at this moment where I would crack. Yeah, she overcomes that and yep. shows her stuff again. She Ooh. shows her intelligence, her knowledge mm-hmm. about this thing, even to the point where we discover this moth. Yep. in the mouth of the of the body. Yeah. And there's a wonderful sound design thing here, mm-hmm. which is they decided to add the sound of a breath just yes. as the moth comes oh, out. Think, yes. yeah. The air escaping the As if this is the, the last, like a held breath. That's, and it makes, it's not logical. Right. And it's very subtle. It's really disturbing. Yeah. yeah. And that caretaker is disturbing too, who, oh, who, yeah. who we see in Batman and a number <laughs> yeah, of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a great casting choice for that guy. Yeah, he's great. And then we go off to find our entomologist. And this is really the only light moment yes, in the film. Yes, it is, right? <laughs> this is it. When you wanted yeah. some comic relief, yeah. you get like two minutes of it. And yeah. there's a lot of this in the book. Their, their relationship is Yeah, they end up the having like a romantic relationship, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and right as we, you know, we find out this is called the Death's Head Moth. Yeah. Which is a real moth. Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, right at the end of our comic relief, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to be happy for very much longer because <laughs> we have to go to Bill's lair. It's unsettling to go into the mind because it's his mind, right? Yeah. And and yeah. it's like, it's so stark. It's so, it's all the concrete and the brick and the dirt, all of it in this pit down there. Like all of it is very much a descent in to rival what... The lectors is is another descent into hell, but it's almost like Dante's Inferno, like going yeah. that deep and that down into yeah. the pit. You know? Well, again, well, lectors descent into hell is controlled by the jailkeepers. Yes, this one is controlled by the monster. Right. Yeah. Right. And just so many details. There's a. There's you know. Uh, 
there's pictures of him polaroids yes. of him with strippers yeah next to the door and it's like they had to have a shoot where they brought in strippers yeah. and did <laughs> like there's a he has a comforter on his bed that has a swastika swastikas on right right oh, I, did, I missed that one like, yeah <laughs> and like this time too. there's just so much stuff in that in that basement and yeah. all of it is horrible and terrifying right yeah it's like it's 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 sort of like the the labyrinth and the minotaur. Oh, yeah. that's great! Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's you know, great. it's yeah. just this. He's this monster, and we hear the voice yeah. of the victim of Catherine. Yeah. We don't see her yet. We see this dog running around. Yeah, and it, you you take that extra step. You're already down there in mm-hmm. his basement, mm-hmm. and then it goes around, and you follow the dog, and there's another level <laughs> down. And and again, you don't see her. Right, you just hear. Her. You know, yeah. she's down there. You don't know how bad it is. Right, but you assume it's bad. And what is he doing? <laughs> He's sewing naked. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot to reckon with. Ted Levine in great shape, by the way, for this oh, yeah. film. Like this, I mean, you know, now you see him now as a character actor who's put on weight as older man. But you look really good in this film. He had fantastic. abs and everything, man. He is fantastic yeah. in this yeah, film. Yeah, he, he, he put some work in <laughs> yes, he to did. play this guy. So shout out to uh, him. We discovered this is actually a senator's daughter, which is going to yes. make this a much bigger deal. Senator makes a statement, and it's, we realize it's very smart. Uh, yeah. That's Diane Baker playing the senator. Um, and that's director Casey Lemons playing her friend. She did that uh, film with Sam Jackson, something about the Bayou. I can't remember what it oh, is. Oh. Eve's Bayou. Eve's Bayou. Right? Eve's Bayou. Bayou. I okay. think she directed oh. that film. Yeah, Casey Lemons. Like, there's a number of directors in this film. Roger oh, Corman's Roger in Corman? this film. Yeah. George yeah. Romero. Yeah. Yeah. George Romero's in yeah. this film. Yeah. Wait, who's George Romero in it? He's, He's one of the FBI guys. Yeah, the, ah. in Memphis that, when yep. they come to take her away. Yep. Ah, oh, I didn't. Re- I, see, I didn't realize that. Um, uh, so uh, we're heading back to Hannibal, and now Chilton's getting pissed at Clarice. Yes, he, is. he doesn't like that she keeps visiting him. What's all this about? And Clarice comes in to to, to see Doctor Lecter, and she makes him this offer. Yeah, um, they're gonna let bullshit. you out of this place. We're gonna put you on an island. Um, what, what's great though is this exchange here furthers their relationship, right? Yes. Because he says. He, we understand now he wants that quid pro quo like that's where that whole phrase became a pop culture thing people started using it all the time just like uh, what is it one from Dead Poet Society Carpe Diem, Carpe Diem. people started using it all the quid pro quo started yeah, all of a sudden being used everybody's speaking Latin yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All> <laughs> the it's not a dead language late 80s early 90s it's just Latin it's right very all of it is all quid <laughs> and he breaks her down because he wants to know her once again these are dates in a way like he's yeah. asking her about her life getting you know getting to the meat of it and then we we see the jo- in essence, it's a way to do exposition without doing exposition, and it works seamlessly in the movie. What is your worst memory of childhood? Death of my father. Tell me about it, and don't lie, or I'll know. He was a town marshal, and one night he surprised two burglars coming out of the back of a drugstore. They shot him. Was he killed outright? No, he was very strong. He lasted more than a month. My mother died when I was very young, so... My father had become the whole world to me. And when he left me, I had nothing. I was ten years old. You're very frank, Larry. I think it would be quite something to know you in private life. Quid pro quo, Doctor. So she garners sympathy with us as an audience, but also with Lecter. It develops more respect, more care for her. Because after Clarice gives him information about her, the death of her dad, right. now he is going to give her information. He already knows that the girls, that the, the victims are big. Yeah. He are, and when he asks, you know, she says that we found something in the mouth, he says, 
was it a butterfly? Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's where you see her, her naked ambition. She's so excited that mm-hmm. he knows that. And then later on, uh, the uh, transsexual stuff. Yeah. It's like, you're so close to how you're going to catch her. It's like, what? Why? Tell <laughs> yeah. me. Like, yeah. And then as we're having this conversation, what do we discover? Chilton is listening. Yeah. That bastard. And uh, uh, great foreshadowing. It already happened when he when he's bringing her down in the in the original yeah. thing. He's like, "Don't don't pass him anything. No pencils or pens." Mm-hmm. And then they you show the recording thing, and then it follows his pen yes. up to his ear to yep. adjust. It's oh, that pen. The pen is very important. <laughs> it's just classic, really good storytelling. Yep. Really, really yep. good storytelling. Just lay that groundwork. And, and it's a pen that that guy would have. A gold. Of course it is. Cylindrical, <laughs> cylindrical pen yeah. is perfect. I got that pen for my bar mitzvah. <laughs> so, it rubs the lotion in its skin. Oh. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> iconic. There's so many iconic lines in this movie. Yeah. And people still do imitations of James oh, yeah. Gum, James Gum yeah. doing this stuff. It's so great. It puts the lotion in the basket. It puts a, and it's so upsetting. It's so horrid. Now we yeah. see she's down on the bottom of this, yeah. bottom of this pit. She's wearing some kind of a rag you know and it is she's screaming and trying to get out and he's just repeating the same thing and it is so horrible well there's a moment where you actually feel he might feel bad about what he's doing right yeah yeah because he has this he keeps repeating it and she's like and he's like yeah he's really fighting against himself and then he screams at her to put put the lotion in the basket right right and then you and then she got kind of because he comes at her so strong she kind of does it and he kind of listens to it and then the moment of her seeing the bloody fingernails of the person who had been in there before yeah that's some scary yeah. stuff. And he turns around and starts imitating her screaming. Right. And he's faking. He's gotten over that moment of humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny. I never saw it as a moment of humanity. Oh, but, I mean, yeah. it's, he totally could. Like, to yeah. me, it was always a, why do I have to deal with this person? She's so irritating. Oh, oh to wow. me, it was because, oh. because when they when they played the video, when the when the senator was no, pleading for her, yep. he's like, oh, they keep saying her name. It yep. humanizes her. Right. And so she's having this moment. We're like, please, Mr. Please. Yeah. And he's like, no. And she keeps pl- pleading to yes. him. And he's like, I don't want to see you as human. And so he... Mm-hmm. Overcomes that briefly. Mm-hmm. Now Hannibal's strapped into a thing and Chilton's talking to him, and he says that Clarice's offer was bullshit. When you first saw this, did you believe him? Oh, I know it's hard to remember. I didn't believe I was like, well, that can't be true. Because he's a horrible person. <laughs> I, I will say that I didn't remember it, and I felt this time around that he was bullshitting. He wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. So I would say I probably did feel that he was lying. Yeah. Because nothing about him has shown him to be a reputable person. Right, right. So right. why would I think he wouldn't be manipulating the situation for his own benefit? No, I can't remember, but that's an excellent point. I think at the time I probably did think he was full of shit because, of course, I wanted to root for Clarice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, because all throughout right. the whole thing, she's been honest. Like, that's right. her main... Right. She's an earnest person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and as he's talking, we see, again, this gold pen, uh, my bar yes. mitzvah pen. <laughs> and he continues to be horrible. And then when we cut back the pen... It's gone. Yeah. And we see him, uh, Lecter, looking at the pen. Yeah. Just looking at the whole time because he knows what, if he can get his hands on it, what he's going to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, absolutely. And, and, and this has been so well set up throughout the film and that pen being gone. But it's a great uh, swerve because we've seen Clarice and Crawford deal honestly with Lecter. So we don't think they're going to all of a sudden make an offer that they're not going to follow through on. And then I don't know where they do. So the person we saw as like 
duplicitous and and evil and manipulative actually is telling the truth. He's still being manipulative for his own ends, his own right. benefits, which we see later in the press conference when he spells out his name, the arrogant prick. But like all that <laughs> stuff, but like we don't want to initially right. believe, and it almost destroys the relationship between Lecter and Clarice. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. because in the next scene we discover with Roger Corman playing the 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 government official yeah. that it was bullshit that yes. in fact this was bullshit and I think in the movie there's some deleted scenes where Jack and Clarice they got in a lot of trouble and they oh. ended up taking a lot of that out of the film yeah because he said he was going to roll the dice yeah. yeah and Hannibal is now in the mask yes yeah. strapped to the gurney in that iconic Billy Crystal from the Oscars that year <laughs> image um, and, and apparently by the way they tried like Hundreds of masks. Oh, really? Yeah. Like oh, that hockey, makes sense. You know, like well, big mesh masks and yes, yeah, steel the gr- masks. The grill that he has when Chilton's <sighs> interrogating was him was terrifying enough. Like yeah. they could have done that again, but I understand wanting to crank it up another notch. That, you know? Yeah. yeah. If, if it's fiberglass, they were talking about painting it, and then the, they finally was like, you know what? The raw fiberglass that's just <laughs> looks like yeah, it's it, good. yeah. And it's the way it pushes up against his nose. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like if you've ever had that kind of situation, you know, like it's it's really an unsettling, trapped situation to feel. Yeah. yeah. And as they're handing him over, Chilton's got to sign some papers. Where's my pen? Yeah, I yeah. can't find my pen. And there's the yeah. And there's the callback. Yeah. And and here comes the senator. And it's funny. This was not. I think this is not in the book. In the book, he just gives her some false information. And yeah. In, and in this, uh, it was Demi who said, "You know what." He's got a. He's got this powerful woman here. Got to mess with her. Yeah, it's horrible what he does to her. Oh my it God. is. Not bite your own tongue off. Horrible, <laughs> but still pretty bad. Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch! Amputate a man's leg, and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? Take this thing back to Baltimore. And her reaction is fantastic. Take this thing. Yeah, thing. Back to Baltimore. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. You know and then there, in my life there are so many lines in this movie that are amazing. And this, I actually think, is probably Hannibal's best line in the whole movie. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. Love your suit. Love, Love your suit. suit. <laughs> and and he twinkles his eyes. Yeah, oh my god. And, Those, and, yeah. And he ha- but he has apparently given a whole bunch of information. Yeah. Did you believe him? No, I didn't. No, no. I don't believe him at no. all. Chilton goes out to make a press conference, and this is where his true like it, I, we I, we knew he's a horrible person yeah. for the whole film, <laughs> but this is like the you know the the, the icing, the yeah. cherry, the top of like oh my god, you're awful, yeah. <laughs> you're a shameless piece of dog shit. Yeah. yeah, that is. I believe that says it on his business card. <laughs> shit. Dr. Chilton, shameless piece of dog shit. And you know Chilton would be on all kinds. He'd be on CNN and MSNBC. Oh, he'd be oh, on yeah. all these yeah, yeah, yeah. shows right now if he was a real person. Yeah. Good thing there aren't really people like this. <laughs> this kind of stuff. Good point there, Steve. Cautionary um, tale. Starling somehow gets in to see Hannibal again. Yeah, she does. I, I Breaks through the defenses of whatever they've set up. Uh, they, they really didn't put a lot into keeping what, her What's out. fantastic because she's not, she doesn't lie. It's, yeah. it's again, he was like, oh, are you with Dr. Chilton? She's like, I just saw him outside. <laughs> <laughs> that's right and that's enough for you to get go see the yeah. most yeah seems like the police fucked up a little bit on this well, one well 
I mean, they're not used to dealing with serial. I'm sure they're not used to these high end security things. Yeah. yeah. The set, by the way, that Hannibal's in, that yeah. cage in the middle of that room, amazing. I, I completely agree. This is one of those things that should be absurd. Mm-hmm. Because it's absurd. It's absurd. Why are you in this big room? <laughs> it's like it's a, like a VFW hall or whatever with just <laughs> a cage erected in the middle of it. It's so over the top, but yeah. they've earned it. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's like, I'm, a, I'm complete. There's barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> There's barbed wire coming from the ceiling to the corners of the thing. And I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> but why would you have barbed wire hanging from a ceiling? I don't ceiling know. To the like, Honestly, who is, who is that preventing you from going so over the top? The only thing that bothers me about this scene is that Memphis cop's mustache. Because <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so amazing that it's distracting. It goes across his entire face. And I love it. But it also takes me out of the moment because he's giving a lot of a lot of orders yeah. in very tense situations. I'm like, what is going on with your mustache? <laughs> Great oh accent too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh that guy God. is an authentic. That's yeah. a great accent. So, so uh, uh, who who the hell went up in that elevator? It's <laughs> so great. Yeah. So Hannibal, Hannibal and Clarice have the conversation. I don't know how she got his drawings. By the way, it seems like I don't know how she would have had access to them. But oh, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going to find out about the, what what the title means, right? Because we're still in quid pro quo, and she has to make up because she admits in this moment not only was the offer bullshit, yeah, but she knew the offer was bullshit, right? Oh yeah, and that yeah. is key. And on some level, I don't think he punishes her enough for this mm-hmm. betrayal. <laughs> um, I don't mean that he should kill her and eat her or anything, right. but but like he lets he like goes okay, and she tells him the story of the lambs. Yes, and I want to come back to your idea, yeah. John, about this being a date. Yeah, this is the third date. Yes. And this is the third date, typically where things get serious. Yeah, and, and this is exactly out. you're you're in this moment where the uh, Demi's it's the fourth date, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Pro quo was the third date. Him. Oh, right, right, right. He offers the deal. Right. She okay. brings the deal. Right, well, she's yeah. a nice girl. She okay. waits one more. <laughs> but here's the, like here's the thing: is the the close ups are you've got his point of view of her, and she's for for a Jonathan Demi close up. Yeah. It's pretty. She's pretty far away. You can see through the bars, and she's right. she's back there a little bit. Right. And his close ups are you can still see the bars, but they're pretty tight. Yeah. And then it it's one of the only times in the movie where there's any sort of move on one of the close-ups, as she starts to tell the story, he pushes in on her. And one morning, I just ran away. Not just, Clarice. What set you off? You started at what time? Early. Still dark. Then something woke you, didn't it? Was it a dream? What was it? I heard a strange noise. What was it? It was... Screaming. Some kind of screaming, like a child's voice. What did you do? I went downstairs, outside. I crept up into the barn. I was was so scared to look inside, but I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. They were screaming. They were slaughtering the spring lambs. They were screaming. Yeah. And so it's it's push, 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 push until you can't see the bars anymore. Yeah. And now it's just her. He's only seeing her. And then the reverse is Lecter is even closer. Yeah. It's just over right. the eyes, just under the mouth. And you can't see the bars on him. Now these two people see each other, right. are completely there with each other. Yep. You still wake up sometimes, don't you? 
wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lambs. Yes. And you think if you save poor Catherine, you could make them stop, don't you? You think if Catherine lives, you won't wake up in the dark ever again to that awful screaming of the lambs. I don't know. And strangely enough, you can see in this moment, I think, why he wanted to be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you could, is that he's getting her, he likes getting into people's intimate, most intimate stories, and he knows how to do it. He knows how to ask the right questions and draw Mm -hmm. someone out. And this is payment. This story of the lambs is is payment in the quid pro quo. And he is about, I think, about to tell her. What do you think? Well, let me ask that question. If the, if the, if Chilton hadn't come in and she wasn't going to get dragged out, would he have told her the answer? No. No. I don't I, think so. But here's the thing. He told her the answer because it's in the case file. It's in right. the case file. It's in the he, case file. Well, he gave her the big clue. He gave her right. the big Yeah. Uh, but you're right. He wanted, like, this is, this is punishment, but this is also, like I said, this is consummation. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. he got what he wanted, and I think, I think he was done with that. Yeah. In, in particular, the finger touch. The yes. Little slide on that finger. That's sexual. Oh, no doubt. And, and, <laughs> and dangerous. And, and dang, scary. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and creepy and intimate and right. all sorts of weird stuff is going on there. <laughs> right. And, and it's so perfect because she has to break free to run back and grab him. Right? She can do that. She breaks free to run back and yep. grab the case files and whatever and all that. And I think it's powerful in their relationship because you're right. This is the – for he, he already has a plan. So he's given her what he needs to give her and then she's going to go off on her own. I think that's why he wouldn't tell her because there is no accomplishment for her if he just gives – hands it over. Yes. She has, to, she has to do it herself to feel – it's his way of like educating her in a way or maturing her in a way. Like she has to do it on her own. To feel that sense of accomplishment, to know that she's a good FBI agent. Right. And if but, she yep. hadn't done it, if he had handed it to her, there's no sense right. of accomplishment. But I also think, do you think if she hadn't visited him before he broke out, that he would have found a way to contact her? Probably. I yeah. Think so. Because he does at the end. I mean, well, except that, except that <laughs> at that moment, um, she'd betrayed him. So he doesn't help her unless she tells the story of the land. Exactly. No, that's good exactly. Good but point. I think he knows she betrayed him because she's under Crawford's sure. direction. So I, there's, no, a, there's understanding there. But yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, there's, a, there's a phrase that comes from Blake Snyder, who wrote the Save the Cat books, which are screenwriting books, mm-hmm. which if you're interested in being a screenwriter, you should definitely read them. There's things I love about them, things I don't love about them. <laughs> but the one as, which I guess is true of almost everything. <laughs> true. Um, but... Uh, uh, one of the things he, he talks about is something called the promise of the premise. And what the promise of the premise is, is that in every movie, you're setting up a certain expectation. And sometime in your movie, you better fucking deliver on it. Yeah. We've set up this expectation as Lecter, as this genius, this maniacal, unbelievably dangerous, terrifying person. And this person we have seen do nothing but speak yeah. right, through this whole film. It's time to deliver on the promise of the premise. Yeah. Is let's see Lecter in action. Oh, man. And wow. <laughs> Damn. Does not disappoint. It does <laughs> Even, not disappoint. Right? It is so amazing. And what's funny, too, is this is we've established this is a horrible person. Yep. And we feel, I believe, feel joy yeah. in watching him be who he is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To become the, the ultimate 
you know, killer. This is the shark coming out of the water with the chum moment with Scheider. We are Scheider shooting up into frame going, holy shit, because he is so, he is a monster. Yeah. And he is legitimately a monster. And a monster that, where he says his heartbeat doesn't get above 80, yeah. they set that premise yep. up when Chilton is telling her about that woman that got killed, the nurse that got killed, or got eaten by him. Yeah. So our cops come in for his second dinner. Charles Napier. Yeah. Love Charles Napier. Wonderful Charles Napier. So great. Met him a couple times. What an amazing, oh, really? awesome dude. Awesome. Yes. We have some very rare lamb chops. <laughs> beautiful touch. With I love the, the drawing. Was that the drawing of yes. her holding the lamb? Oh. Yeah, that he must have just done. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And um, and uh. and the cops are not great. No, <laughs> they're a little distracted. But we see a lot of the details. We see the mace can. We see the handcuffs. Yeah. We mm-hmm. see uh, how they're doing it. This beautiful classical music oh, is playing. Yeah. Lecter moves very slowly, very nicely. Puts his hands through the bars to be handcuffed. They come in. They he needs them to move the drawings, Mind to the put drawings. the food down. <laughs> yeah. He's very polite. He's very courteous. He, oh God! Courtesy is very important. But to also, him. giving yes. himself time to get the handcuffs. Exactly. Very smart. And we see that palmed. He has takes out of his mouth the little piece of the pen, the mm-hmm. little shaft. He's palmed it. He's sitting down. We see him clip it into the handcuffs. We don't actually see the handcuffs come off. And then there's this moment, oh man, where he's suddenly free, <laughs> and he handcuffs. Napier to the yeah. to the the cage and the turn of fear on his face yeah. is amazing. Yep. Yeah. And he tries he tries to warn the other guys it's too late. Slams the cage into him. The other guy jumps on the guy's face. Because, right, how, that's how you do it. That's how you scare a fucker. You just jump up and start to eat his face. I don't know what your reaction's going to be like, you know? And then he starts slamming his head into the into the cage and kills that dude. And then he takes, and then he takes the club out. And, yeah. man, this is one of my favorite moments in the oh movie. Oh, my God. And I do it every once in a while when I like someone really irritates the shit out of me. I have this you vision of going like, death? no, in my mind, I just go... I just go <sighs> <laughs> I like to be able to well, do that every once in a while, and, and the oh. look of that I can only describe as rapture. Yes. Yeah, that's the only word that describes the feeling mm-hmm. that Lecter is going through at this moment with yeah. the classical music in the background, mm-hmm. and he takes his time yeah. and he just enjoys this horrific, awful act. It's sexual. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, and in a weird way, we enjoy it with him. Yeah, that is what's so like. Chilton, we hate. Yes. But this guy, we've come to love as he does the most horrible thing to these innocent cops. Right, right. You know? Right. We should feel bad for these cops, but we it's, don't. But we're shown that they're not taking the appropriate measures, appropriate <laughs> yeah, precautions. Apparently. And it's sort of like, you you got what you deserved. You don't go into the tiger's cage and poke the tiger. You don't, you yeah. don't spit in the wind. <laughs> but, but we still... But Lecter still's got to get out of here. Yeah, he does, and he has a plan. By the way, and I, 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 don't, I, I love this. The, I love when he when he hears the other cops struggling, and he looks for what like he, yeah, it, it disturbs, he just looks around. It's it disturbs, so perfect, right? It disturbs his postcoital moment. Oh, you're so and, right. And then he goes. Oh, what can I use now? Damn it. What can I use now? Oh, and he finds the knife and he goes, ready when you are, Officer Pembray. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ah! It just scares the shit out of you, man. Terrifying. It's nothing, nothing, nothing unsettles him. Nothing unsettles him. And there's some cops downstairs and they hear yeah, some noises yeah, and the yeah. elevator's acting weird. Right. So we got to go up to the room and that image of coming into this space 
Yeah. Again, this is a thing that's over the top. Way over and the it's, top. And it's how could he possibly have gotten the body up there? He couldn't. This is one well, of those. And, str- you know, strung exactly. the, whatever the banners. Uh, yeah. It's like, who would have taken the time <laughs> to, by yourself, somehow pull, <laughs> yank up a body? Were there ropes? What did he do? Yeah. I don't know what he did. Yeah. He did it with the banners. <laughs> and yet, at this point. You, you buy anything. It's such a great visual. <laughs> yeah. And you've built up so much credit with me. Yeah. I'm like, yes, okay. And because, he's disemboweled. Because, like you said, he's he finally... This is a man who's been dying of thirst forever, yeah. and he finally yeah. gets to the water. And he's like, <laughs> he I am just... a big drink. I am taking the biggest drink. Well, and he's, <laughs> he's, he's strangely godlike. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. These powers seem to be superhuman. Yeah. And um, part of his plan is to terrify these people. Yeah. So oh, yeah. they, have to, they have to be distracted enough by that body yeah. that they won't notice Officer Pembry. Uh, is really, really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, that image, that first image comes very much, they were looking at paintings from Francis Bacon. Oh. And if you look at Francis Bacon paintings, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. It's, it's an um, image that I'll has stayed pass. with me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um, an image that has stayed with me since the first time I saw the movie. So poor Officer Pembry is... His face is all bloody. Yeah. He's still alive. We have this young cop. Oh, the little blood bubble. Yeah, he's still breathing. And Just what do I do? Hold bubble. his hand. That's all. Oh, that's Pembry. You have to hold, take care of him. It's Officer Pembry. Jim Pembry. Damn it! Damn it. <laughs> and we love that guy. They're it's rushing. So they're rushing us to the hospital. The hospital right. guys are there. Get him on a gurney. We're going to save his life. Right. We still haven't. Where the hell is is uh, right, Lecter? Right. Oh, we're sitting in the elevator as the gurney goes away, and there's a drip, drip yep. of blood. And I love that. Again, pretty good cop goes. Doesn't say anything on the radio that he's on, and like whispers. And we think we got him. We look down, and there he is. There's Lecter in his beautiful tailored prison suit, <laughs> yeah. face down on the top of the elevator. So what do they do? They pull a bull in his leg. No reaction, right? And we, we go into the elevator. We're going to open up the, the the hatch at the top, and the body flies out. Mm-hmm. And just as the body flies out, we cut into the ambulance. Yep. Yeah, you don't see the face on the body. The no. body just flops yep. down. And they're working on the body in the ambulance. Right. And then, well, so the guy turns away. The body sits up. Yeah. Removes the skin from his face. <laughs> oh, like, man. I don't even know what to say about that. It's <laughs> so perfect and maybe the scariest thing I'd ever seen in my life yeah. at that point. <laughs> because he's been built up to that. But you feel so bad for these people in the oh. in, in the ambulance, you know? And so there are a lot of innocent victims that this and guy they, goes oh, yeah. But again, and... they don't show you. Yeah, no, they don't. He just, he just pulls the yeah. face off and then they cut cut again yep. yeah. to, to Ardelia dropping the phone and, yeah, running. and running. And it's like he killed the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wiped him out. By the way, that's Chris Isaac as one of the main yeah. cops. Oh, that's yeah, was a SWAT team guy. Yeah, Chris SWAT Isaac. team guy. Yeah, yeah, that's Chris Isaac. One of his first mo- uh, roles. So now we have Starling and her friend, and they're going through this idea of yeah. this random map. And we finally realize it's got something to do with the first victim. Maybe right. the first victim wasn't random. So we go back to investigate the first victim. Um, Bimmel. She, Bimmel. Frederica Bimmel. Frederica Bimmel. Bimmel. Great Good. name, yeah. by the way, yeah. So we go to Frederica Bimmel's house. We go up to the room, yeah. and she's looking around, and this is where she has the realization. It's such a good reveal. It's a dress. Yeah. Yeah, Because she opens the closet door and is looking in the closet, but it's hanging on the door. So her body is blocking it. And she looks over. She moves away. You don't see it till she sees it and moves away. And then you see the darts on the back of the dress. And one of the things that happens throughout this film, this film has amazing sound design, is that whenever we're dealing with things with Bill, there is the little sound of wings throughout the film. And this moment we're in looking at that dress, you know, we hear that sound. 
And are there anything that are making wing sounds there? No. And you don't. And this is, you know, so much of a film is, sub, is, is subconscious, is hitting you on a level that you're not intellectually understanding. Right. And sound is one of the biggest ones. Yeah. So she calls up uh, Crawford and says, I've got some information. And he says, don't worry. We know where he is. Yeah. We're going to get him. By the way, I want to take a ride one day in a plane like that. <laughs> I love yeah. those awesome military planes like that. They're so fucking cool. Um, so they got the name. But they're going off to get him in Chicago. Uh-huh. Well, why don't you poke around here? Right. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but he does give her a great compliment because he says, we wouldn't have found him without Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And that's like his way of making up for embarrassing her in front of the sheriffs. Now, I have a question because this, this is a moment that also confused me when I mm-hmm. first saw it and still confused me to this day. The picture that he shows, is that Buffalo Bill? He thinks that they thinks they've got the right guy. Right. Tells her all the backstory about the caterpillars coming mm-hmm. in from Suriname. And then he has a picture. And it doesn't... It looks enough like the guy to right. think maybe it is but i don't know if it is or not well they which got i the... guess is what you're supposed to think yeah and they got the name right they so got, yeah. they do yeah. everything about it is right except i, I don't know if they have the, the picture i don't know if the pictures are, i my gut is that the picture is right from just yeah. like an earlier okay. time where yeah. it didn't look so crazy well what do you think about her finding the pictures in the music box of herself in these grandma panties of the of bimmel in these like do you think that's leads her into that uh, idea that J- that's because she says he knew her he right. knew her yeah, right. I think, so i think bill did, took those pictures. yeah you think so yeah. okay yeah that's absolutely what I think. Okay. yeah um it's not explicitly said no 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 but I, that's what i think right and they're perfect because you feel so uh painful for her because you see that's not something she is like yeah. naturally yes. doing she's, she's so trying vulnerable to be, yeah she's trying to be sexual but right. she's uncomfortable doing it yeah so we're back to bill and we have this scene where uh, Catherine's got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> and while Catherine has a plan to get this fucking little dog. Yeah. Uh, which I love dogs, but man, this dog is, I'm not a fan of. No. I, generally, a serial killer's dog is not right. going to be my thing. No, no. And s- simultaneous with that is Bill's dance. Yeah. Oh, another iconic. Another. I like, mean, just... there are very few moments that I can remember being in the theater. I remember being in a theater full of people when that happened, sitting next to my college girlfriend and my brother and my sister-in-law and being like, what the fuck did I just see? <laughs> it's true. The whole theater, like, yeah. stopped. You can yeah. feel everybody thinking the same thing. Like, holy shit, did I just see that? Yeah. yeah. By the way, this is 1991. Yeah. Transsexual stuff, like, right there in your face. It's so amazing. We're still having these arguments in 2017 about transsexual. And it's so creepy. It's so crazy. Yeah. Tucks. You know, everybody jokes about tucking in your balls or whatever you dig, and then you look like a like. And he and he literally because he's in so, so lithe and in such great shape, it works. You actually well, the kind drapery of, visually, of the fabric, yes, it works and the nipple so rings, well. like all of it. You're just like, Ooh. And, and and again, we're in this really disturbing, intense moment, right. and we cut to another moment of almost not comic, but right. she's talking to this girl. It's very light about about uh, her oh, friend yeah, yeah. and <laughs> sewing. The girl and, with the terrible bangs. Yeah, yeah. and. and and that leads us to, to hear about Mrs. Lippman. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now we're really going to build into the, the climax. Yep. Uh, Bill goes to get another moth larva, which is the sign that it's going to be over. Yeah. And, and by the way, you have to get a moth trainer yep. if you're making this movie. You have to find the right moths. Those are real moths. Oh, yeah. They say they didn't harm any of them. I I don't worry that much about moths, but what they did do, what they did do, is they had to have a moth room, yeah. and they put the moth larva in the freezer to slow them down because they're cold blooded. Didn't he says hurt them, and then that way, as they're warming up, they start to really move. Oh wow! So you have to think through these things when you're making a movie. Details. Um, and I mean... by this point, Catherine's got his dog. Right. 
she's pretty brave. Like right. that's pretty like resourceful and yeah. She's an angry girl, that Catherine. I mean, <laughs> I get the situation you're in. But she's like, you stupid. And even when Clarice comes there, she's like, you, don't you leave me, you fucking bitch. Like, she's that, she's that, an right. angry um, woman, I love man. that. Um, and we get to the standoff of she's going to kill the dog. Yeah. And the thing that stops that is that we have the... The doorbell. Yeah, the doorbell. Right. And this the is the worst doorbell in history. <laughs> so that doorbell, talk about sound design. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know. It's, it's, I think there's Who's sounds ever been of... scared by a doorbell? <laughs> I have from that movie. <laughs> I think there's sounds of human screaming in that doorbell. I wouldn't be surprised. There's like mechanical oh, yeah, grounding probably, yeah. metal sounds. Oh, there's I mean electric electric sounds too from yeah. the, from the yeah. And what the doorbell is from of course is the guy with the flowers or so we think who's ringing the doorbell and there's a huge crowd of FBI guys yeah, yeah. with all their weapons and Crawford's there and the doorbell rings again. And he goes, oh, I got to go answer the door. And so he, he leaves the Catherine and his dog. He gets his big gun. Yeah. He goes to the door. He opens the door. It's Clarice. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's been done uh, before that. But like you see, you've seen it done so many times yeah. since then. And yeah. it was so perfect. It is one of the most remarkable moments in film history, mm -hmm. I think. Because you're 100% yeah. thinking this is one thing. Yes. And the moment of, oh, shit, it's just her. Yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant filmmaking, right? Because there's so many swerves in this film. We, as human beings, want to believe there's a happy resolution around the corner. And so we have this dread in this moment when the doorbell rings, and we think they're going to bust through right. and what's going to happen, and so we're excited. And then when we see it's Clarice, we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're like, oh, oh my no. God. Yeah. Oh, no. Right, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, because it has convinced us yes. that it's going to be this other thing. Yeah. And, and, and interestingly enough, <laughs> they originally cut it linearly. Oh! Isn't what? that I, I, oh. shocking to that's what Look, I'm Thank just reporting God. what they say, <laughs> said in some behind the scenes. Yeah, the first cut was linear. Ugh. And then Demi says, no, we have to intercut yeah. this. Oh, no, no, yeah. I mean, like, it's, I, and it's just, I just always assumed that it was intentional in yeah. the filmmaking. I think it might not have been. Oh, my God. That's amazing to me. That's yeah. a happy accident. Exactly. Jesus. Yes. And so now we're just with, and we see the FBI guys break into an empty house, yeah, yeah. and now we're just with Starling and Buffalo Bill yeah. in this house. And Scott Glenn's reaction is our reaction. Yeah. When he says Clarice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, and one of the rare moments that he calls her Clarice. Yeah. Right? That's that right. Moment, he calls her Starling every other time. Exactly. You're right. That's a great point. Yeah. And this house, again, production design. Yeah. Dingy and creepy oh, and smelly. You know that house smells. Oh yeah, you get yeah. As soon as she walks in that house, you you get everything about it. It's a hoarder's house, man. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. And then she starts looking around. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's that moment when the moth lands on the on the, the thread, thread yeah. Yeah. and her eyes are like, oh, all right then. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. So there's a there's a Hitchcock thing which yeah. talks about like. Is that where where is the audience with knowledge and relationship to your characters? Right. I think we talked about this before. Yes. Is that the audience can be with the characters in the film, they can be ahead of the characters in the film, or behind. And that Hitchcock really loved the the audience knows that there's a bomb under the floor, right. but the characters don't, and that's where the tension comes from. And sometimes we're right with and we're mm -hmm. right with them. This movie does all of them, right. and this is a moment where we know we're yeah. ahead, yeah. and then we watch her catch up. 
And it's particularly that moment with the moth. Right. And what's interesting, too, is there's this moment he's continuing to say, oh, let me get you this card. And they're having this conversation. Her realization is dawning. He is knowing that she is beginning to know. Right. And there's this moment of them looking at each other. This is one of the, yeah. this is one of the creepiest moments in all of film for me, yeah. is that moment where he turns to her, here's, here's the card, <laughs> and he starts, he can't control his mirth. Yes. Yeah. And he has That's to cover his word. mouth. To hide his smile, and I'm like, "Oh my God, this is worse." And because they did the great thing of already showing you the yeah. reverse through the kitchen yeah. where his gun is sitting on yep. the stove, yep. and you're just like, "Oh, this guy is ready to play." Yeah, because well, because he's going like, "You're not buying this." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I know you're not buying this, and you know, and you know, and I know. Right. It is so. Oh God. Well, it, be because yeah. he has hunted women. So he knows the look on their face mm. when they're legitimately buying his bullshit or when yeah. they're scared or when yeah. they're seeing through him. Sure. And so he, when he sees that look, like initially, you know, he's like, oh, he's playing or whatever. And then when she has that moment, he knows by the look, which uh, is why the mirth yeah. is great. That and the Christopher Walken moment at True Romance when he's like, <laughs> the idiot left his license in the yeah. dead guy's hand. There's a mirth in the right. stupidity, right? And so in, her, in his mind, he's like... Oh, let's have some fun. That, yeah. right. that was him, the moment for me when I'm like, yeah. this guy's never going to get work again. <laughs> that's right. right. This is, this is, this, that was his perfect moment. Because it, it doesn't seem like acting. It seems no. like just the, like yeah. you embodied yeah. this this monster. I love him throwing the cards. The cards that they can Oh, yeah. Some of them matters. start to drop. Yeah. Um, and, the, so the, and there's a really interesting choice, which is as just as this action sequence is starting, I think, yeah. we cut out to the train tracks yes. and the house and the empty, quiet uh, town. Yeah. And there's something about that that I think is so brilliant because it's the quietness. It's that this, the feeling that all of these horrible things are happening under the surface right, right. of this town. And they've happened before. Right. And awful. And nobody knows. Yep. That's and right, such a great point. And nobody's going to come to help you. Right. This is, you're on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is happening somewhere right now. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, well, yeah. this is the terror of this film. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the you know, like I, I was thinking watching this film is that that Silence of the Lambs is to serial killers as Jaws is to sharks. Yeah. Which is that we weren't thinking about serial killers. There have always been them. Yeah. There are not that many of them. They're not really a major threat. They're more of a threat to us than sharks are. Mm -hmm. But they're not really a major threat to humans. But since this film, yeah. we think about it. Yeah. All, all the, the time. time. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Um, yeah. It, it, it just... The idea that it's just it's what could be could be your neighbor and Dahmer solidified it. I oh, think Dahmer solidified yeah. that more. I mean, because Ted Bundy had come along in the seventies, obviously, but people yeah. like kind of rid off, rid, wrote off the seventies as like, well, that was the that was, nutty time. Everybody had a van back then. <laughs> exactly, who right. knew he was nuts. abducting who? But this is when Sounds Lambs and then the Dahmer thing right after solidified it completely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Dahmer's. I mean, they're all fucking scary. But yeah, that one. Absolutely. That one in particular is very disturbing. Well, to me. Ed Gein so is the worst. Ed, Ed, yeah. Also from Wisconsin. Oh, Ed Gein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's who that's who. Uh, Buffalo Bills based on yes. and Psycho, Psycho is based yeah, on yeah, and, right. and, and uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. to a certain yeah. extent mm -hmm. okay so <laughs> it, th again we see really Starling do the thing that she's done throughout which is she is really really scared mm -hmm. and she is keeping it together right at the edge and I love the I'm the FBI. You're going to be okay. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, she's fumbling through it. She fumbles. She fumbles the draw on her mm -hmm. gun. Yeah. Still gets it out. Right. She. You. She's a trainee. Yes. Exactly. That's all of the all of the vulnerability is yep. there, but so is the strength. Yeah. Determination to see the. Yeah. She could run out. She could run out. Go right. To pay yeah. Phone, she could have just Jack. left. Yep. She could have just left. But no. She 
she knows her duty is to do the job, you know. Well, and that girl, worse. that girl might be alive. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the and the and Catherine yelling at her. Oh my god! It's great. It's such. It's, it's, it's perfect. So just about just enough of a release of tension. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't completely release it, but it eases it just enough. Like, don't you leave me, you bitch! It's like yes, that's exactly yeah. what you would say. <laughs> and, and and now Starling's in the maze. Yeah. Trying to find oh, the monster. And seeing her react to the space that she's been in yeah. and the chaos of it and the winding turns and what door. And you get the feeling he could come from anywhere. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. doors in front of you, behind you, wherever it is. And, of course, then the lights go out. Yeah. Right after she sees Mrs. Lippman in the bathtub. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. The perfect time for the lights to go out. Busts into the room. Molt, I don't even know the right word. Putrefying <laughs> isn't strong enough. Yeah. Putrefying corpse in the yeah. bathtub. Lights out. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah I, Best I, case scenario, I'm in a room with a dead corpse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's definitely um, soiling your pants <laughs> kind of moment. And and at this point, I had forgotten about the night goggles. Yeah, right. I wouldn't, th- and then right. the night goggles come on, and you're just like, oh, she's fucked. I just love the sound again. Man. Sound design. Poing. Yep, that, oh, such that, a great oh, creepy boy. sound, man. Because um, they don't make that sound <laughs> that loud. <laughs> <laughs> like it does yeah. not come like that. Um, why does Bill? Bill takes so long because he can. Because he enjoys the chase and he enjoys fucking with it. Like the whole thing of like coming his hand close. That's his way of yeah. like yeah, asserting he power. He's in total it's control. almost like yeah. this guy's not right in his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And also the, the, uh, the feminism of the movie. Yes. He, he sees he her feels, as inferior. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course, I, I, this is my space. Yes. I have control. She's yeah. just a woman. Yeah. And he pulls back the hammer on that gun. Yeah. And that's yeah. it for him. Yeah. 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 What's and the good? shot when we come back to the light because oh, he shoots so out great. the window and yes. there he is on the ground, blood, you know, bubbling out of his mouth, yeah. his last breath, and she's won. Right. And a- he looks exactly like a bug. Yeah. He's got yeah. 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 he's got he's got the antennae poking out of his face. That's a great his point. arms are, are clenched up mm-hmm. like a bug when it, when they fold over themselves, and he's laying on a little mat that looks like moth wings. That's wow. Fantastic. It's fucking amazing. That I never ever occurred Neither to me. That's I. awesome. Oh, that's great, Dave. And I, and I love that she reloads. Like she's yeah, yeah, just yeah. in case. Training. 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 Right, yeah. exactly. And the spinning, whatever that thing is of the of the two, oh, the two wind butterflies coming thing. together yeah. and then the big butt as if it's been swallowed. Yeah. It's oh, so yeah, yeah. intense, man. Yeah. I love that little spinning thing that they did. And then we have our moment of aftermath as yeah. we're coming out. And I just love it's a small detail again. Catherine's still holding yes. my dog. Yes. I love that moment. Yes. I think that's she just won't give so it up. smart. And still angry. Um, <laughs> I think she's gonna be angry for Every a long right. time. Every yeah. right. Um we have graduation in the midst yeah. of like having a nice little talk with Crawford. Yes. Uh, and by the way, the FBI has beautiful cakes. I they really do. That. That's Biggest a lovely... piece of cake that's ever been yeah. sliced on film. I love that piece of cake that she cut. Can you research that? <laughs> I, maybe. <laughs> and uh, But you got a phone call. Yeah. Let's go take the phone call. Hello, Clarice. <laughs> Which, again, you've forgotten. Yes. I don't know how you could have forgotten Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. But everything that happened with Bill, you're like, holy shit, that was amazing. And they're like, oh, my God, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then... One of the great final lines of film oh of God. all times. I'm having a friend for dinner. That's just great. Not over I, for dinner. For, for dinner. dinner. <laughs> just and we see Chilton get off this plane. Oh, yeah. And then we have an extremely long credit shot. I love that credit where shot. Where he just sort of, does he does he saunter? Yes. Uh, that's, that's a, a great that's a word for it. <laughs> like, like I said, like, what is that walk that he does? It's so relaxed. Yeah. It's so languid. It's so easy and happy. Yeah. And again, you're kind of happy for him. Yeah. Because you fucking hate Chilton. Yeah, you do. And you 
and you're weirdly rooting for this serial killer in this yeah. last moment of this yeah. film. Yeah, you're left feeling like all is right in the world. Mm-hmm. Bill, she got Bill, and he's, he gets Chilton. Right, yeah. and both her father figures give her a final message. Like yeah. that Scott, yeah. Scott Glenn with Crawford right before, because Casey Lemons comes and says, you got a phone call, but for whatever reason, Crawford takes that moment when she's supposed to go pick right. up the phone to have this conversation with her, and then she goes and has the final moment. With, That's a good point. With, with Lecter, yeah, Lecter's sitting on great. hold on that payphone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what what person to person from the Bahamas is. They didn't even have prepaid cards back <laughs> in ninety one. That's right. <laughs> um, and I love the last. I love that Chilton's like in security. You got the security. Yeah, yeah. we have the security all set up. You're Chilton's like, so frazzled. Yeah, he is because he knows. Even though he's yeah. in like Dominican Republic or right, something, right. he's still frazzled, um, <laughs> and rightly so. And I love that terrible wig. I love oh, that terrible yeah. wig. It's perfect. Well, the, the Panama hat. Yeah, and the, the whole, whole nine. The, you know, this, the linen suit. This linen just... suit is so brilliant. Okay, so the movie, obviously, it was released. It's like a February release. Yeah. It's the biggest February release of all time. I don't know if it still is, but it was for a long mm-hmm. time. And uh, wasn't, it was a thriller. Yeah. wasn't expected to be like an Oscar t- contender. Right. It is the only February release to win the Oscar. It sweeps the Academy Awards. Yep. It wins. Which, Big five. Yeah. Best Picture Actor, actress, director, screenplay, yep. um, which is one of only three films to have done that. The other it happened one night. It happened one night, and um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And cuckoo's nest, yeah. Yep. Um, by the way, Dave is the best at trivia of anyone. <laughs> just so, what did just, you just say? I, I, I'm gonna, I'll, I, I, in, in general trivia. General trivia. General, not movie trivia. Okay, okay, okay. No, in general trivia. Because I've had two belts that tell me I'm pretty good at trivia. Wow, oh, things just got real tense. <laughs> yeah. In movie, in, in movie trivia, I'm making no statement. In general <laughs> trivia, I bet on Dave. Look, I'm happy that Dave Rapp is here, but uh, let's not get it's overboard. Not insult a man yeah, on his own please, show. Please, for God's sakes, I've had two belts. Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Um, well, that distracted me a little bit. Um, so, so swept the Oscars. Yes. Um, and but there is one thing that we need to talk about, which is there was a controversy, which is from the uh, what we would call today the LGBTQ community. Oh yeah. There was very very strong protests about the portrayal of Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. and what at the time they called transsexual would maybe call it transgender today, mm-hmm. uh, and it was a big it was a big protest um, and. And the reason for the protest is the portrayal of this man as this serial killer and the use mm-hmm. of these gender identity issues as part of it. And what, one thing I want... Well, let me ask first. Yep. So how do you feel about this? And part of this is it's 2017 and... Right. Well, my, my here's my feeling. I, I didn't understand the controversy because Lecter says he is not a... A standard transsexual. He's not a real transsexual. He's not a real transsexual. He's something else, right? Right. He's trying to be something else because he hates who he is. He's been kind of like manipulated to hate who he is. So he thinks this is the way out, but it's not authentic. And that's what he says. And they even go, and the FBI says, this is behavior that we don't see from trans... Like even uh, Clary Starling says, like, this is not typical behavior from transsexuals. They're they're, uh, nice. They're they're, they're passive. They don't... so, So... to me, they completely addressed it in the movie, which is why I didn't understand the controversy, to be see, honest with see, you. See, for me, that, that is such a good example, because I think that's exactly what they're trying to do, and mm. I don't think it succeeds. Okay. Um, now, I love the movie. The, right. It's not a criticism of the movie, but it goes to this thing we've talked about a lot, which is this idea of show, don't tell, which right. is that if you tell, we always want to show the audience things, have them emotionally involved in something, yeah. rather than just tell them information. And this shows how it can work against you, mm-hmm. because... We have all these things showing us his behavior right. as transgender or transsexual. But then we have characters in the movie tell us that he's not. Right. And the power of the images and his movement and the dance that he does and all that stuff really erases, I think, the statement from Lecter, oh, he's not 
a real okay. transsexual. Right. That's for a, that's for a me. Good point. Okay. Um, what do you think? Uh, I tend to agree with John. I think they did their best to to address it and and, and show that you know this is a man who's so confused because he hates himself. He mm-hmm. thinks he must be something else. I've I found that idea very powerful. Yeah. And also the idea that it is based on a real guy. That yeah. you know Ed Gein right. did had so many mother issues that he killed his mother and stuffed her and then tried to make a woman suit out of like yeah. I don't know what was going on in the guy's head, but like this is something that actually happened. You know, Buffalo Bill's not a real guy, but right. but I think there are enough things. I think they did their best. I can understand being mm-hmm. upset by it as, as a community, uh, but I, you know, I think that I think the movie uh, went. I wouldn't say out of the way, but but tried to address it uh, and make sure that it was shown that this is not yeah. uh, indicative of of uh, any right. real member of the com- community, but. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I love the movie too much. Yeah, well, well, it's a great movie. Well, yeah. Go ahead. No, I just want to say, well, like, I never, it never registered to me that he's a transsexual. It registered right. to me that he's right. a serial killer. Right, right. It exactly. never registered. But, but once again, I'm not a transsexual. I am a Latino, and sometimes I will watch certain films, and even though they try to explain away or give the, it still bothers me. So I can understand the argument. I understand the offense. I just, as a, as a person who watched the film, I never consider him a transsexual. So here, because here, I was thinking about this a lot, yeah. and is that the first thing I always think is that I am for freedom of expression sure. and freedom of the artist. Of course. And I don't like the world coming in and saying, oh, you can't do that. Right. Um, and I always think that whenever we come to these issues of representation, it's not that you shouldn't have an Arab terrorist or that you shouldn't have an African-American mugger right. or you shouldn't have whatever negative cliche about a particular group. Latino game, gardener. Yeah. Or yeah. Is, that, is that the problem is when those are the only images on screen. Sure. So is that if you have a wide range of images and one of them are you know, this negative portrayal, that's right. fine. If we only see negative portrayals, that's a problem. So this, at this time, there are not a lot of images of yeah. transgender True. characters on the screen. And the second thing about this that makes it kind of particularly problematic, I think, and again, I love the film, but is that at that time, and definitely still today, there is an image for a lot of people in the world mm-hmm. of people with these kind of gender mm-hmm. issues as uh, that there's something deviant about this. And you can see mm-hmm. in the political climate today sure. that people are saying, oh, well, we couldn't let someone in the bathroom because they would obviously be rapists. Right, right. You know, there's a connection, an immediate connection between this, you know, being LGBTQ and being deviant or right. evil or something like that. Right. And this movie uses that. Mm-hmm. There's no question that the disturbingness of his dance is yes. used to support his monstrousness as right. a serial killer. It's tying into those fears that we have. Uh, and there's no question in my mind that it's, it's doing it. It's doing it really well. Mm-hmm. And again, if there had been hundreds of wonderful representations of transgender people at this time, mm. it wouldn't stand out. But as this is one of the very few representations at this time, yeah. you know, yeah. like I, I think... It, 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 you know, it's and it's like it, just as we talk about with a lot of films, is yeah. that you have to judge films for where they are at their yep. time, and and you know, ju- you know, uh, Thomas Jefferson, you know, wrote the Declaration of Independence and had slaves. Yep. It's like we need to be complicated in yeah. the way that we look yeah. at things. Yep. And we could say that this is a great film, and we can also kind of go and oh, I don't feel know how I feel sure, about sure. this. And there's one story that's really important that I want to tell, which is they're at the New York City Film Critics Awards, and this movie's getting an award, and there's a protest. And at the protest, they're handing out these flyers that talk about, you know, uh, transgender rights and and information about it. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan Demme gets up to give his big speech and he says, hey, I don't know if you noticed that someone's handing out flyers here and I really think you should read it. 
because I think they've done a really graceful job of making this point, and this is so important, and Hollywood has done a terrible job of, of representing these issues, and we should take a look at it. That's great. And that is amazing. That's awesome. And what is the next movie he makes? Philadelphia. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and so I just think that's so, and this is why, while I didn't have a whole bunch of stories to tell about Jonathan Demme, yeah. I really like him. And one thing, other thing I want to say about this film is that everything I heard, you know, we talked about a lot of movies where there's a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. We talked about Apocalypse Now and The Shining and yeah. all these things. We talked about a lot of directors who are tyrants and difficult yeah. and Everyone had a great time on this movie. That's not a surprise. You know? Yeah. Even though they're dealing with heavy, heavy stuff, yeah. they all liked each other, all having fun, and you can do it. You can make a great film mm -hmm. and care about each other and not be abusive, and it's just so important for me to say that. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, <laughs> David. Yes. Final thoughts on The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you know, uh, you'll, I'll never stop loving this movie. You gave me a lot to think about there at the end, and I, I totally agree. And I think if this movie came out in the current climate, I... People would have every right to say it's sensationalizing mm. a, a, a hot hot button topic. At the time, uh, you know, that didn't occur to me. Um, for me, I love this movie so much because it's almost perfect. It's yeah. it's one of those movies. It's so close. It's it's uh, there's there's a lack of diversity that that I have a problem with in the movie, mm. especially that it's only the black guys that get sent into trouble. Right, <laughs> o right, opening up That's the true. opening up the elevator roof shaft and yeah. uh, and box of flowers, ringing on the door with right. the box of flowers. Let's send in the black guy, yeah. and like everybody else is white. That's a problem for me. But like this movie <laughs> is just so so close to being perfect in every way that I, that I can watch it. And even though it's so deep, you know, psychological thriller, but haunting. Yeah, it's a haunting movie, and yet it's a movie like. Shawshank or something else that if it comes on TNT if it comes on anything yeah. if I turn to it I'm going to watch it from wherever I watched it and watch it all the way through and be happy that I did yeah. and that's not something that you can say about I, I can say about any other psychological thriller yeah. what about you oh I think it's a fantastic film and it was great to revisit it so because I haven't seen it in a while to revisit it for this show and talk about it on the show. I think what's what stands out for me this time, and it's really amazing, and maybe it's because I've been around more women as pundits in this business that I'm walking into as a host and uh, uh, a guest on shows and, and, and what have you. It's really interesting how Jonathan Demme does not play any of his women as victims. None no, of them. No, yeah. it's true. Clarice Starling, the senator, yeah. Catherine Ardelia, I think that's her name. Yeah. All of the women in the film, even the the friend of of Catherine Bill yeah. of uh, uh, is just very defiant about her job at the bank. Right. Like no woman is played as a sad sack or some kind of like emotional thing. Even when she has her breakdowns and crying, which you see in films with women, sometimes you saw it with Sigourney. We see it with other very strong characters. It's done and it it's effective and it makes her human. It doesn't make her weak, and that's really important. I think yeah. Demi does a great job with all his films in with his female characters. Married to the Mob, same thing. Michelle Pfeiffer, same thing. Something Wild, Melanie Griffith, one of her greatest works, if not her best work as an actress. Uh, this side of Nobody's Fool, and I thought this film did a great job with that. And it was watching with 2017 eyes a 1991 film, and it still holds up. It still works. It's still effective. The acting is still powerful. The scenes are so well written, and overall, it's a well deserving best Oscar picture or best picture Oscar winning film and I 
I, I challenge anybody to denigrate the film in any way that's effective or correct because I think it's one of the most tightly written scripts and every scene leads to something else. There is no wasted scene in the entire movie and it's a master class of filmmaking. And like you said, Stephen, this, even the sound design and like you said, Dave, the set design, all these things and the score, Howard Shores, all of it combined to create an effective film that is exactly what Dave said, still haunts you even now watching it almost 30 years later you know totally agree and i think we, we said so much about the acting about the filmmaking mm -hmm. so all, all i'm going to do is say this so i watched the film with my wife i my office is in a garage that's detached from my house <laughs> i said good night to her i went to do a little bit of work it's like 11 at night the sound there's a, a railway yard yep. across the way so oh, the, sometimes that's real loud and there's loud train noises there's a freeway lots of freeway noise it was windy that night mm -hmm. And I went into my dark office, and I was scared. <laughs> I've been in that office a million times. I've never yeah. been scared. But that night, I was scared. Of course. That's the power of this film. So that's, that's what we think of The Silence of the Lambs. We'd love to hear what you think of The Silence of the Lambs. Please visit us on our Facebook page at the Cinephile, C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. Sub subscribe to us on Stitcher if you're on an Android phone. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you're on an iPhone. If you're on iTunes, why don't you leave us a message? We'd yeah. love to hear what you think. They help us a lot. You could subscribe to us on YouTube. Yes. I'd love looking at your comments on YouTube. If you want to reach me, you can always reach me at Twitter on as SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? You guys can always reach me at the Roca says R O C H A on Twitter and on Instagram. The Outlaw Nation podcast every Thursday on the SK Plus Network uh, and every Friday on Collider Movie Talk uh, at eleven a.m. And Dave, do you do, do you do the social media things? I do not. You cannot mm -hmm. reach me unless yeah. you're walking around LA and you see a guy with a weird mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you if you want to reach Dave, you can always reach us. We'll get the message to him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe we'll he'll know. respond. Dave, it's been so great having you on the Thank show. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. I love talking about this movie. Awesome. And yeah. This I, is fantastic. I'm so glad you gave us that 10 a.m. Yeah. 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Uh, text. Yeah. Text. I was really glad you you added yeah. so much to the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Agreed. All right, so that's it for this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles. Cinephiles.